Man, what a day we've had so far. I know. It's been fun. I wish every podcast included all sorts of PMF and plasma devices before we... And and really great um, herbs <laughs> before we start. Yeah, like really old ginseng. I feel very primed to have this conversation with you. And it's a long time coming, man. We've been acquaintances uh, for many years, and I don't think we've met in person in quite some time. I was thinking about that. It must have been nine or ten years. I think one of those old biohacking conferences way back in the day. Yeah. And uh, yeah, staying in touch remotely. But yeah, it's good to be here in, in person, hanging what a, out. What a great day. Thank you for bringing your lovely wife and all these incredible tools to work with. It's kind of overwhelming because there's so many things I want to talk about. We have three main topics. The herbalism stuff you're into, the PEMF innovation that you just rolled out, which is freaking amazing. And the surprise being the um, Therify plasma situation. So we'll do our best to get through all three. Before I start, I want to let people know you can find the show notes for this. And trust me, you're going to want to take notes because uh, we're going to cover a lot. And some of it's pretty technical and out there. You'll find the notes uh, at lukestory.com slash Shen. S-H-E-N. I think I did too long on the plasma machine. I can't talk. A little too relaxed. And I also want to let people know to go back and check out episode 198 from way back in December 2018 when Mark Langdon, the Blue Shield founder and co-developer, was on the show. And we talked a lot about some of the technology we're going to cover today. So for people that want um, you know, the rewind on that, there was a lot of detail that we might not go into today. Uh, but I want to first start out talking about EMF, one of my favorite topics. And uh, I'm always on the lookout for solutions. And I'm pretty sure, other than some of those weird little like probably fake quantum stickers that you put on your phone and shit like that. I was trying all that stuff for years and didn't really notice anything. But I think if I'm not mistaken, it was Matt Blackburn that told me about the Blue Shield Scalar technology back in the day. I got that one over there, the Cube, which is now Jared has inherited because I've upgraded thanks to you and your team Um, and was living at the time unknowingly under two massive cell towers. And I'd been really sick for like three years. I had no idea it was from radiation. But I got the Blue Shield device just because I lived in the middle of the city and just wanted anything that would help with EMF. I just figured there was ambient levels in in my house. Um, Installed that thing, meaning plugged it in. That cube, I think I had it in my bedroom. And then had excruciating headaches and felt like shit for maybe seven, 10 days, two weeks or something. I remember all the texts. You do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's like, going on? I feel like shit. What's happening? I thought I'm supposed to feel better. And you had, maybe you can explain, you know, what you told me. But what was interesting is that I I felt much better after that initial maybe Herx reaction that I was having. Then a couple months later, discovered these cell towers that I didn't know were there. So it was a really cool placebo proof kind of, you know, N equals one clinical trial because what I realized in hindsight was A, it was the cell towers that was making me sick. B, it was impossible to be be placeboed. When I put the blue shield in, I started feeling much better. A lot of my symptoms went away. 
Then after that, I figured out that it was the cell tower. So from that moment on, I was like 100% sold on the Blue Shield technology for EMF. Um, so maybe you can explain in hindsight what was happening and why I felt so immediately shitty than great afterward. Yeah, so Blue Shield, the, the principal mechanism by which it works is through sympathetic resonance. So it's broadcasting a signal into the environment that sympathetically entrains with your cells over you know a 10 to 14 day uh, acclimation period. And what happens when the body doesn't perceive EMF as a threat anymore, it starts to reallocate immune power. So your body is not spinning its wheels trying to attack in a, an imaginary magnetic field or whatever. What it does is it starts to reallocate immune power back to um, you know, balancing the body essentially. And for some people, if they've been under a lot of stress for a long period of time, that looks like a Herxheimer reaction or a detoxification effect. So um, a lot of people, we just recommend, you know, um, take it easy with Blue Shield. Like most people won't have that level. I mean, you were right next to a cell tower. That was pretty wild to find out. Afterwards. Within a hundred yards. Yeah. So that you were getting hammered hard. Yeah. So the fact I, that I can only imagine what the levels were. I never, like I said, I never tested when I was living there because I just didn't want to make myself more paranoid because I'm in the middle of the city. So it was going to be high anyway. Right. But I didn't know it was that high. I got legit radiation poisoning. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's a, awesome case study. I mean, you didn't know, like you said, the psychosomatic component was not even in the equation because you didn't even know a cell tower was that close to you. So yeah, what the what ends up happening is to, in a simplified way, the body just reallocates immune power back to the body and the body knows what to do. It knows how to balance itself out. It knows how to um, disperse charge throughout the cells and just regulate homeostasis. Can you explain for people the difference between EMF mitigation. This is something I like to clarify for people um, in terms of blocking the physics of EMF or harmonizing, you know, the field in the environment like some other devices and technologies and whatnot do um, versus what you just described of the sympathetic resonance. So I think that's what's really interesting about Blue Shield and what sets it apart is it's not claiming, as far as I understand, it's not claiming to like harmonize the waves. It's not claiming to block anything. It's having a direct physiological effect. So maybe you could kind of break down the different mitigating strategies that people are doing. Right. Yeah. Because Blue Shield's actually working on the physiology and the hydrogen water in the system. A lot of people, what they'll do is they'll take passive devices, like think pendants, stickers, these kind of things. And what they're attempting to try and do is they're trying to create some type of like tuning fork effect where their body is resonating with whatever sticker, pendant, whatever they're using to try and amplify your biofield. There's a lot of people in the kind of blocking community where they're putting shielding up, trying to live in a Faraday cage, all that kind of stuff. To me and what I understand how I've been trained and what I've learned, I don't even know if that's fully possible because everything is connected energetically speaking. If you think about what everything's coming from and how it funnels down to hydrogen and then all the other materials that make up the physical world, we're in the soup and you can block a physical transverse wave, but you can't really block an informational field or a, a longitudinal pulse perturbation of the ether, essentially. So some companies have come along with what I call non-passive devices, but they're active. So they're powering something uh, they're either using LEDs, they're using cold lasers, they're using whatever modality to stimulate a response in, let's say, crystals or um, compositions of, of, of substances that resonate its own field, and that creates entrainment, right? So what Blue Shield does is essentially it's creating an active field, so it's powered, it's creating a, a live field, but it's dynamic, so it's always changing the amplitude and frequency all the time so your body doesn't really get used to it. 
And when you look at things in nature, like everything's always changing. You look at trees, insects, different like light frequencies throughout the day from sun, sunrise to sunset, you'll notice that all the frequencies are changing. And even endogenously within your cells, your, your cells are multiplying, dividing, taking in nutrients, removing waste. And there's all these different frequencies happening all the time. And all of that is changing. So having something that's active is while good and you need something that's powered, unless it's dynamic, it's not going to have a long-term effect because your body will tune it out just like any other artificial, repetitious, non-native EMF. I wish our bodies would tune out 5G. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that's the thing that's so frustrating about the telecommunications industry is, and maybe you'd have some insight into this. It seems to me, and I don't pretend to understand physics or electromagnetics or anything on a level that you would need to make this assertion, but if we have these cell towers everywhere and these Wi-Fi routers and Bluetooth wireless technology, and they're carrying data invisibly through the air using frequencies that are harmful to all living beings on the planet, it seems that there could be frequencies that exist in nature that could be used to carry that information as effectively that wouldn't be harmful to biology. Do you think that's possible? Of course. Yeah, I mean, we could transmit a blue shield uh, algorithm onto a Wi-Fi router. Uh, use a Wi-Fi carrier signal, a radio frequency carrier signal, and put coherent um, informational fields onto it. So that's the problem. So the frequency in and of itself, frequencies aren't really good or bad. A lot of people get tripped up and like, oh, you need Schumann resonant frequencies and these frequencies that are kind of lower energy um, and high frequencies are bad. But what we found out early on is that any single frequency, as long as it's spontaneous and doesn't last very long, is actually beneficial to the body in a lot of ways. When you start working with carrier signals, these carrier signals have, like you're saying, all this information, like the radio station broadcast or the text or the video or whatever that it's transmitting. That signal is really um, chaotic. It just sounds like complete noise at the cellular level. It's kind of a similar analogy would be if you look at LED lights, LED are quasi point source objects and they flicker, but you can't perceive the flicker when just looking at them, but you take your slow motion camera out, you can see the flicker. Your nervous system, your cells actually pick up on that. Likewise, all the noise that's on these transmissions is what your body picks up on and it really starts to mount an immune response against. So um, really what Blue Shield's actually doing is it's being becoming the dominant signal in the environment. It's, it's like this, you can't really listen to more than one radio station at a time. What you're doing with the radio is you're essentially tuning a coil into a resonant frequency, i.e. the carrier signal. That carrier signal comes into the radio and it has all the information or the code of the song and it transmits it into longitudinal compressional waves, which we call music or these sound waves, and your brain interprets it, right? So you're not listening. It doesn't mean all the other radio signals aren't bouncing around. They are. They're being broadcast all the time. You're just tuned in to a specific station with a specific song. So Blue Shield's providing like a symphony of frequency and beneficial to where the body is able to entrain with that, just like you would do with nature. I mean, preferably we'd like to drop people in the middle of a national forest and they'd be just great, right? Um, that's how we have evolved. So we have to make our technology work in harmony with nature, with natural laws, natural pr principles and natural kind of rhythms, so to speak, of like Fibonacci and, and phi ratio. Um, and I think Blue Shield, from what I found, and I came in, into this technology about 2017, is the best thing that I saw that could actually be dynamic enough to where your body won't become numb to it and tune it out over time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've also heard you talk about your skeptic around doing blocking and shielding and making a Faraday. So I think, you know, I have a little bit of 
micro PTSD after being so uh, ravaged by the cell towers back in the day. So when we bought this house, I went full on and Faraday caged the bedrooms and under this whole room, all the electric fields are all blocked. There's like a, a shielding material underneath the wood floors. It's all grounded behind every couch. I mean, it's like as un EMF of a house as you can possibly get and the ethernet everywhere. But I've thought about, you know, sleeping in a totally shielded room, which Faraday for those listening means that all, you know, ceiling floor and all of the walls are all blocked. So when we had not shielded the bedroom, you'd go in there and you'd pick up a not a lot because we're kind of in the country, but a significant enough level of RF that I was like, nah, I'm just going to block it. And there was such a sense of satisfaction when it was done to go in the room and the doors and all the glass windows have an RF film. It's as well as you could possibly do it. Everything's totally grounded. And there's such a sense of satisfaction to go in there, shut the doors, shut the curtains and take your RF meter and it's in the green and there's no beeps. It's just silence. But I have thought about the cosmic energy and the scalar waves in nature, right, to which we have evolved. We haven't evolved to be next to a cell tower and have all these kind of artificial non-native EMF, but we have evolved and are resonant with native EMF, right? The planet's magnetic. You have electric field and plasma up above. I mean, the whole planet is basically a battery, right? So I've thought about like, man, am I missing out on those? Yet, you still get a little signal in my room even when everything's blocked as well as it could possibly be, right? It's not 100% frequency free. So my thought was, yeah, maybe, you know, I'm blocking out the gross frequencies, not gross like disgusting, but just those big bulky chaotic ones. But my hope is that because it's still penetrable to some degree that I'm still getting exposed to the positive cosmic sort of radiation that would be beneficial to health. What what are your thoughts on that? I mean, are you just anti-Faraday 100% or do you think some of some of the good stuff still leaking through? Uh, I'm I'm not anti-Faraday. I think whatever brings people peace of mind is good. And of course the all that is is producing massive amounts of scalar waves. So, I think inherently we're get, still getting some of that. Um I don't think you could fully block out nature. I mean, we live in a plasma cocoon. So, I mean, the easy, the thing that I look at from like, okay, let's, to every hammer, everything's a nail, right? So like if we look at full spectrum kind of understanding of how we interface with biology, consciousness, and, and the elements of nature, you wouldn't really want to eat a completely sterilized diet. You wouldn't really want to eat a completely, drink completely sterilized water. Um, and people talk about like candida, for example, this opportunistic yeast, candida abalcons, and they try and get rid of it in their body. But if you realize if you got rid of 100% of candida albicans, you wouldn't really be healthy actually at all because it's opportunistic in the sense that it actually helps you in certain situations, but then it becomes opportunistic when it has the ability to override your immune system and take a foothold and all that kind of stuff. So living in a completely sterile environment energetically, I, I don't think it's 100% necessary. Um, I don't think it's bad. Like I haven't seen any research or uh, maybe you would have more insight on it because you've actually like stayed in a Faraday cage for lengths of time. Um, what I do know is that there's always like a, a, um, a scalar component of every transverse electromagnetic wave. And it's always moving out of phase or 90 degrees to that transverse component. So if I, I don't really have a stretchy shirt on, but if I did, I would like use this as an analogy of like, you know, we create a transmission or a signal. And what happens when that signal expands, you get a compression or refraction 90 degrees to the opposite of that. So 
um, we can remove these transverse waves and create standing or scalar waves and use that to imprint code or information on with microprocessing technology and create sympathetic resonance. So if you're somebody who doesn't have like a blue shield, for example, you can put plants in really good soil with good bacteria in the soil. All those are, and essentially, if you think about it, it's frequency, it's energy, it's vibration. So it's putting something into the room, even if you're in a Faraday cage. So there's natural ways to bring energy, vibration, into the room. And that's that's what I think a lot of people are stuck on and confused about when we talk about like one of the best known quotes of Tesla. It's in every documentary you hear about Tesla. And it he said that if you want to unlock the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. Energy obviously is energy, energetic fields. Frequency is cycles per second, like that's related to a time axis. And then you think of vibration, what is that actually? What that is, is a disturbance or a perturbation of the ether. So a lot of these old school guys like Oliver Heaviside, Tesla, Faraday, Charles Proteus Steinmetz, some of the greats, like the legends in electrical field theory that, by the way, built 100% of our electrical grid. Like Einstein didn't contribute anything to that. A lot of these particle physics guys didn't contribute to the electrical grid. These guys understood the ether and that how the disturbance in the ether is what modulates or adapts to or creates a hormetic response to any kind of stimulation. So going back and kind of circling back to what you're saying with like communications, yeah, you could use lasers, coherent point, point source light. We could create technology that's actually quite a bit safer and coherent and actually even beneficial, in my opinion, from what I understand of like the physics of it, um, that we wouldn't really need to live in a Faraday cage either. So again, not saying it's bad or anything. I'm just saying it's it's sort of unnecessary if you can lock in all these different phases and components of health, lifestyle, nutrition, and EMF protection. Yeah, and there's also the, like you said, if it makes you feel better, <laughs> there's, there's a, re a relaxation of the nervous system when you believe deeply that you are protected, right? Exactly, and that's um, important. That's but yeah, it's, it's something I've kind of, I mean, I'm not going to change it now. I'm happy with it, but it's something I've just kind of contemplated, right? Is I'm what my goal is, is to create inside my house as biocompatible as environment as is possible. So I'm trying to mimic outdoors, but nowhere outdoors on the planet would you be sleeping in a Faraday cage, right? Right. So it's like, well, if you're in the middle of the forest, there's that one town somewhere in Virginia or something where there's, there's no RF because they're looking at the stars or whatever they're doing. I don't know if you've heard of that, but there's one place on the planet at least where there's, you know, there's no radar, there's no... Uh, radio signals or anything, right? Because they're doing some kind of experiment. And I thought, well, maybe my bedroom is close to that, but it's still mimicry, right? It's still kind of trying to simulate what would have been 300 years ago before we had electricity um, yeah. as ubiquitous as it is now. And as we were sharing with each other uh, prior to the show with our water or elaborate water systems for our house, it's kind of silly to think that we're going to mimic what a spring can actually do with the whole entire hydrological cycle in our little house in these little like this six foot bandwidth of like space you know yeah. it's like it's kind of silly to think that you can actually do it you can do a lot of course and it's really great um and we want to try and make the best water possible to shower in and everything else but um it, it's pretty analogous i mean it's it's hard to replicate nature without just being in nature you know what i mean yeah 100 percent. that reminds me um you know, uh, our mutual friend, Matt Blackburn, his place in Idaho, he's on a spring. And I texted him one day, I'm like, oh, you're so lucky to be on a spring. What, what's the TDS of the water? The total is all solids. It's like there's springs in Texas, but the water's super shitty because it's really high really hard. in calcium from all the um, limestone and stuff. And he's like, oh, it's like 30. 
And I'm like, dude, why are you running all your water through these elaborate filtration systems? You have the most killer water. And, you know, he has his own reasons for doing that. But I'm like, I'd give anything to be on a property with 30 ppm. It's probably primary water, too, that's not even been on the surface of the earth to be contaminated before, right. you know, if he's at high enough altitude, perhaps. Um, and here's you and I with the, you have the Ophora system or a different version of it like I have. And it's like the amount of money and time that goes into basically just trying to mimic spring water. You know? I know. All and the to your point, no matter how much you spend, you're never going to get it as good as it is coming right out of the ground. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And then you add the deuterium factor in too, you know, like this heavy hydrogen. Yeah. Huh? This water here is through all the filtration and that's not going to help the deuterium. It's probably still like 155 parts per million. Um, but I tested the deuterium on water from springs in Big Bear that was around 8,000 feet and it was like 135. So it's interesting yeah. too. Like you, you can't even get to that when you're in the filtration system no matter how great it is you're never going to get the deuterium out you have to go to a high altitude kind of granite mountain to get low deuterium water or to a glacier or something right. well i am working on a, a mineral additive um right now the only way to really get deuterium levels down is through evaporation techniques which is really you know, time consuming um but i'm working with some mineral substrates that seem to be doing the trick um we're still needing really? to send it into the labs this is totally premature. I probably shouldn't even talk about it, but I, I am working on, <laughs> we on that one. We won't hold you to it. Yeah, I am working on that one. And it's it's been a challenge, but it's about a year into it. Oh, cool. On, uh, a mineral um, ratio that would be appropriate to kind of, because it's heavy hydrogen and everything's like a, um, a harmonic of hydrogen. If you think about how, what people call the quantum space is just a field convergence that um, distills into light and then into hydrogen. Kind of like if you look at the hormone cascade with... Um, you know, pregnenolone and all, all the hormones that that metabolizes into, it's a similar process with, with substances. So if you kind of know how to do work the, uh, the chemistry of it, you can probably, and this is my speculation, you could probably remove it with uh, mineral saturation. And that's what I'm working on recently. Wow, so. you're prolific, dude. I mean, you got your Shen Blossom thing and we're going to talk about that, which is like such a beautiful suite of products mm. and food products and herbs and things like that. And I, I always, and then you got your Blue Shield thing going on as the, you're the U.S. distributor. Is that your official yeah. title? Yeah. And Chin Blossom was actually the first uh, company I founded in 2012 um, before Blue Shield came along. I just saw, obviously, we want to be as full spectrum health as possible. And like nobody at the time was satisfactory in like approaching the EMF thing because EMF is just more pervasive all in, all the time. And I was just trying to figure out like what's actually going to work to protect. And yeah, I had a young family. I had a toddler at the time, and you know, just trying to figure out what would actually work. That was super important to me. You know, when I found something that I thought actually worked, I was like, "How can I help?" I was like talking to Mark Langdon, who's the founder, and um, we hit it off, and we started importing them and like bringing awareness, talking to you, getting everybody we knew kind of in in the fold on like, "Hey, there's an option that's actually viable," and we actually have that clinical trial that's uh, going to be dropping this fall. That's really kind of the most extensive research that's ever been done on EMF protection devices, that whole category, because it's an independent review board certified paper. You can look it up on um, clinicaltrials.gov and it's been two years in the making. So it's been a long, lengthy process and it's about to drop this fall, which we're ex really excited about because we've seen a lot of beneficial results in the pl preliminary data. We're still waiting on a couple labs uh, to write the paper, 
Um, but you know, the heart rate variability, blood glucose dropped 8% in healthy people. And by the way, these people were doctors. Um, we were approached by doctors to test this out because they were getting such good results with their patients. They're like, you guys have a tiger by its tail. We need to like actually get some data because like your story, we would hear that over and over and over. Um, and you know, obviously we'd be getting more indoctrinated just by hearing people's testimonials. So we're like, we need data, we need research, you know, we need some like hardcore empirical stuff because this is just sounds too good to be true from what we're seeing. And having a, like a less than 1% return rate just as a business owner it, by itself is crazy. Like with any industry, any product, I mean, Shin Blossom is there. Um, but just in general, from my experience, like doing source and supply and product development and supply chain management through, you know, my career or whatever, um, that was kind of like eye-opening, like, wow, this is a subtle energy device, right? And people are not returning it. I don't know about you, but with all the supply chain disruptions going on, it's getting more difficult to furnish your home with quality products. So if you want to steer clear of sleeping on or wearing toxic synthetic fibers, listen up because I've got a rare line on the good stuff. Cozy Earth has a direct supply chain to responsibly sourced premium viscose from bamboo fabric, which they use to make a grip of amazing home gear. From pillows, sheets, and blankets to towels and robes and even pants, shirts, socks, and hoodies, this is my go-to to upgrade all things fabric in my home sanctuary. I especially love their bamboo sheet sets. They're super soft, and during these ridiculously hot Texas nights, they help regulate the heat like no other sheets. Plus, their bedding comes in a variety of different textures and blends. They've got quilted, knit, linen, and more to dial in your comfort to perfection. And lucky for you lifestylist listeners, right now they're offering a really sweet deal. Just hit up CozyEarth.com and use the code LUKE to save up to 35%. These guys are so confident you're going to love their stuff that if you're not fully satisfied, you can send back any item within 100 days. And all their bedding, towels, and clothes are backed by a 10-year warranty against pilling, abnormal rips and tears, and workmanship defects. This is really high-quality stuff. So stock up on the goods while you still can with that discount, folks. That's CozyEarth.com. And again, the code is Luke to save 35%. That's crazy, too, because it's, it, you know, the Blue Shield technology is, um, there's no bells and whistles. It's not, you can't see it or feel it do anything, right? It's like you plug it in, you're like, is this thing doing anything? I don't know. So it would be the type of product that would be prone to a higher rate of returns just because someone plugs it in and they're like, it's not flashing or anything, you know? It just kind of sits there. Yeah. That's why. That's what dude. I thought was really, really strange about it. And, you know, further we get down the rabbit hole, we're kind of understanding more and more why. Um, and we we're grateful that we were approached by this uh, network of doctors. Um, deep sleep, REM, there's neuro, neurotransmitter stuff going on. Like the mechanism of action is really interesting and strange with EMF because if it's affecting the voltage gated calcium channels in the brain, it's going to be affecting a lot of like chemistry, like a ton of chemistry. And we're, we're electromagnetic before we're physiochemical, you know, and we work on the physiochemical level with herbs and nutrition. You know, a lot of the herbs and nutrition, these are substances or tools, if you think of them that way, that you digest that signal the body to do different things, right? So um, you need proper voltage. You need like, and that's why we created a, a PMF device. Because when I was trying to simplify everything in, you know, physics, physiology, anatomy, and I'm trying to like find these common grounds because it gets pretty complex. There's a lot of theory, and of course, you know, from different industries, you can't really 
trust the experts or trust the science because a lot of them don't agree on a lot of the big, big topics. You know, I know. It's, it's mad. And, and it, whoever <laughs> controls the narrative on like a mainstream level, they're all like sniffing each other's behinds, like agreeing, yeah, hey, your stuff smells like mine. So they all agree and create a cohort, which goes out and pontificates certain information, right? But it might not actually be true in some regards. So I'm trying to figure out like, okay, I can take a computer apart. I can figure out how the hard drive interfaces with the motherboard. I can figure out what a bus is. I can figure out all this stuff. But what is the actual electricity that's making this whole thing work? You know, what's magnetism? What is a magnet? You know, I had to really kind of deep dive in all this stuff. And then, you know, I met people like Paul Harris, who's the inventor of the Therify, and like really starting to get a more concrete understanding and getting the old documents, getting the old books and interviews of like, you know, Tesla and Oliver Heaviside, all those like classics of like field theory and like the guys that built the electrical grid and what they understood about magnets and dielectricity. Nobody talks about dielectricity. You talk to any building electrical engineer, building biologist. It's one of those topics that like gets kind of glazed over and some might know about it and a lot of people surprisingly don't. But, um, you know, the conjugate field of a magnet is very interesting to me. And I was thinking, okay, what does this mean? What's the principle here? Magnetism. Like how do we get more magnetic energy into the body? Because everything that you eat, consume, drink, whatever will work a lot better. And in fact, I think strengthening your biofield with magnetism actually helps prevent against electromagnetic radiation um, atrophy and, and stress because your biofield is just so strong. You can move in and out of energy fields more fluently and easily, easily and gracefully. And your body doesn't kick into the need to try and fight it as much because it has surplus energy. It's like, okay, I can just chill. I don't have to worry about this because I don't have to really fight anything, even though you don't have anything sympathetically resonating with you because you have such a charge that you're carrying in, in the first place. You know what I mean? That makes perfect sense. I've observed this um, in real time throughout my life as I became, you know, I don't know, 20 years ago, became aware of um, EMF. And some people don't seem to be bothered by it at all. I mean, I still think it's not good for anyone, but I am definitely more on the sensitive side than most people I know. Unfortunately, it really sucks. It's kind of my Achilles heel. That's saying like we were talking about flying, you know, flying just wrecks me and I fly with people, my wife, other people, they're fine. They get off the plane. They're ready to go to dinner, hang out. I'm like, what? I can barely walk, you know, I'm smoked. And that's with all of the interventions that I apply to something like flying or even just EMF protection. I do so many crazy things to <laughs> avoid EMF. But that makes sense. The, the biofield thing and just the resilience. Everybody is uniquely resilient. And also everybody is constantly changing. And the resilience of my body and your body are changing by a microsecond, right? It's like all of the signaling that's going on and all of the changes of energy. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, as far as the blue shield goes, there's so much stuff. My brain's rattled because there's so many Which things. Which most I people cover. don't feel blue shield. Like you say, people don't feel blue shield, but most people, yeah, they don't feel the effects of sitting in front of a computer all day or a cell phone in their pocket or any of these things. Right. So it's kind of interesting the level of sensitivity there. Oh, dude, if I am like scrolling on my phone, how I know I'm doing it too long is my hands start to hurt. Like they, it aches in the joints of my hands from just touching that radiation for a few minutes. It's like crazy. Uh, but as far as the blue shield goes, I want to run a couple practical things by you. So the first device that I got was the cube. And then I got this old school, for those watching on video, I got the old school pocket version, the portable. Retro. Yeah, this is a retro 70s one. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, anytime on a plane driving, I take this thing everywhere. And then I upgraded to the more powerful portable one here, the pocket one that's 
pretty much more substantial and heavier. So I felt like the cube did the trick as I described earlier. So you guys make an, uh, an auto version, right? That has like an adapter for a car lighter. So I have that one in my car, of course, because like cars are such, new cars are crazy with the EMF. And people um, ask me the questions on Instagram and stuff like, are, what do you think of Teslas? Because my wife has a Tesla versus other cars. I've tested Teslas and my car, which is a gasoline car. And they're, they're really the same. When you have Wi-Fi turned and Bluetooth turned on in your car and the magnetic field coming from the engine compartment, like I really don't think it makes a difference what kind of car you have. They're all computerized. Yeah. I mean, you have chips in there, right? So my advice is like get a 1950s Ford truck or something if you don't want EMF. So I have that blue shield in there. And then this one, is this the Ultra? That is the the premium ultra, yeah. The that's, premium uh, ultra that's being currently rebranded to the U two. Okay, so um, so we have the U one and the U two. That's uh, that's actually the model, the dual band model that's used in the clinical trial. Oh, cool. Okay, so this is this is the badass shit right here. So I have the car one and this in my car. My question, the long way around to get to this question: Am I going overkill and by having two of them in my car? At, I don't know if you've been able to tell. I'm kind of an extreme, dude. I. I will put one of those in my car. You know, the the auto we came out with, I originally talked to Mark about that because he didn't have one at the time. It was the plug-in and the cube and the portables, kind of the, the lineup. And I was like, hey, you know, I don't like flying. I'd rather drive if I can. And usually I'm carrying tech around anyway that's sensitive. So, you know, hey, can you make one for the car? And he ended up making a prototype. I liked it. And then we ended up bringing it to market. And um, that is the strength of the old plug-in. So you're getting a lot more... It's overkill in the sense that you don't need that coverage area, obviously. But the right. strength of the signal is a lot more powerful. And to me, with Blue Shield, because it's like pure crystal photonic scalar, meaning it's pure informational fields, um, longitudinal waves, it's not a problem for me. And there are people that are sensitive. You know, the surprising thing that I found out is that there are people like where the, the entry-level model, the less powerful stuff, really does work for them. And, um, you know, there's people still in rural environments. They might have a couple cell towers here and there, you know, or they're electromagnetically hypersensitive and it's almost too much. And some people don't like detox. Obviously, that's kind of the, you, know, you don't want to feel like you're gaslighting people when you're like, if you remember when you're texting me about your situation, you're like, man, I feel like crap. It's like, oh, it's all in your head. Yeah, it's yeah, like, you don't yeah. want to like gaslight people. You got to explain the Herxheimer reaction, what's actually happening at the cellular level and the detoxification pathways and stuff like this. And then, you know, okay, people are happy with that. But sometimes when people get too strong of a model for their needs, what we do is we just recommend taking it, like plug it in for a couple hours a day and then unplug it and three hours a day the next day and like get your body used to it. That's a little bit more of a gentle way to uh, introduce the Blue Shield field into your environment. But having it in your car, I mean, we traveled with that Evo down here and that's the most powerful stuff on the market right now. All right, cool. Next question is, uh, since this is in my car, this is always the one that I bring on flights. And if I have a seat with an outlet, I plug this guy in on the airplane. And then, of course, in my hotel room and Airbnb and stuff. So like this is, my, this is like my security blanket, this one right here <laughs> for travel. I think it's kind of doing the other passengers on the plane a service, especially Absolutely. on the Wi-Fi plane. Because So this guy, if I have this under my seat on airplane, this is like pretty much blasting the whole length of the plane with scalar waves, right? Yep, absolutely. And what's um, the, that's the interesting thing that I had to think about early on. I was like, okay, uh, putting these in, you know, health spas and things of that nature, you know, the real entrainment happens over a period of time. That's what the original like uh, small scale, it was grassroots research back in New Zealand, uh, testing on animals, uh, doing live field microscopy, dark field microscopy. I mean, um, 
what he would find is that there's an acclimation period, like we mentioned earlier, as um, 10 to 14 days. And that's when the cells really start to like kind of create that maximized uh, sympathetic resonance entrainment. So I'm under the impression that it seems to, when people come into my house just temporarily, or if they're at a work environment, for the, they're there for eight hours a day, but they're not necessarily sleeping with Blue Shield, it seems to have an effect as it sweeps over the cells. And, you know, scalar energy is going to affect naturally the water and the body and the hydrogen. Um, these longitudinal waves kind of don't have a, a time component. It's kind of instant. So uh, to kind of clarify for people, I don't really have... stick So uh, analogy, like if you're looking at a transverse electromagnetic wave, it's like you're going for a hike, right? And you're trying to go from point A to point B. And a transverse wave is going to take the long way around. It's like swerving back and forth to get to that point. But uh, a compressional or longitudinal wave will actually be a direct thing. So if I have a stick in the middle of my hands and oscillate it, that's an oscillation. That's a transverse electromagnetic oscillation. If you're talking about scalar comp compressional wave, it's instant. So as soon as I put energy input on this side, it's instantaneously hitting the other side. So there's no time component. So when people call a scalar wave, it's kind of a misnomer. There's no way, like the wave particle duality thing doesn't apply to this kind of level of physics, right? Um, that's for particle physicists and mathematicians and stuff that don't really test things against things in nature. Um, the scalar wave is actually imprinting the frequencies that are encoded when the, the collapsed field happens due to the microprocessor. And that's going to sweep over the cells and have like a, a, I think a temporary effect too. But when we talk about that, I just want to clarify that because some people are like, well, you said the entrainment takes this long. Well, you're actually getting kind of an instantaneous effect like you would on a plane. But I just wanted to like elaborate a little bit more on like what's actually going on with the scalar waves affecting the cellular biology and the, and the water in the body. Uh, most people won't be around it on a flight enough to get like a headache or a Herxheimer reaction, <laughs> yeah. but they might feel a little bit more relaxed or depending on the level I, that, of sensitivity. That's been my hope. You know, I, I believe in uh, consent, right? So it has crossed my mind like, oh, well, these people next to me didn't ask to be exposed to these blue shield scalar fields. But I just figured, you know, I'm not going to ask permission because it's it's only going to help everyone on the plane. So. Wouldn't that be nice about consent with cell towers? Yeah, no shit, right? I'd, that's a good point. You guys didn't ask me if I wanted the Wi-Fi on the plane turned on, which I usually don't. Uh, next question then. Okay, so we got the car, airplane. Say, I guess probably exceedingly few people have gone to the lengths I have of shielding their bedrooms and create a Faraday cage. If I have one of these bad boys plugged in in the house... I'm assuming the scalar waves, as we're calling them from the blue shield technology, would be able to penetrate that shielding anyway. And I would still get the benefit of the, the resonance, even though my room is shielded from RF because this is, is different and I guess kind of smaller than RF. Yeah. And just would go right through the wall, right? That it's not yeah. going to stop anything. Yeah. If you think about it, what you're talking about with RF is, is just a very small bandwidth of the electromagnetic spectrum, but that's still the electromagnetic spectrum. It's encompassed in these, this um, point source potential, this like, this dielectric, so to speak. So yeah, having it, uh, that will, and, and, and you can't remove electrostatics from a um, Faraday cage. You can still get transmissions in and out of a Faraday cage. It's not, people think Faraday cage is this like bulletproof, like, 100% hardcore thing that you there's, there's just no uh, penetrating, but that's just been proven over and over that that's not the case. So uh, again, I don't know how viable shielding actually is, um, especially when you can't remove electrostatic charge. Like you're holding electrostatic charge in a Faraday cage, you know, and you're transmitting scalar. 
And if you look about all these out of phase signals in the body, like if you do your um, Qigong meditation, you breathe, energy's going down, Kundalini's going up, and the cycle. So there's all these circuits that are happening. Your heart is a scalar pump. I mean, you, you can't really remove the, the longitudinal aspect of a transverse electromagnetic. You just can't. So you're still getting exposed to like the informational fields. Um, but what I always questioned about Faraday cages in general is like, well, I've never seen any research or, or data or experimented with m myself on living in a Faraday cage to where like, are you blocking out beneficial things? And I'm kind of, I think it's the same kind of moot point. You know, it's, it's, you're not, you can't really block nature. Uh, all, if you're a particle physics guy, if you're an atomist, a materialist thinking like everything's imaginary bumping particles and there's these like volleyballs and marbles running down wires and whatever, like this subatomic space between atoms is kind of what we're talking about this realm. The, the instantaneous, non-time, non-local, spooky action at a distance effect is happening all the time with all these things around us in nature, right? So we're just collapsing a wave and we're just like, we're making it more available and creating a pulse, which is a perturbation and agitation of the ether, which has a hormetic response and, and adapts and responds accordingly. Um, we're, we're so much a fish in water that we, you know, we ask like, you ask a fish what water is, like it doesn't even know, it's just been swimming in it. Like the, the ether is all around it. And come to find out, funny enough, general relativity ended up making up uh, dark matter because it couldn't make the equations work with quantum physics, right? And what does dark matter have? Oh, it's not measurable. It's everywhere. We can't like quantify it in any way. It sounds like ether, right? So it's it's just a euphemism for the ether. And these guys back in the day in the early 1900s, they knew about this kind of stuff and they're building technology in our current electrical grid on all of this. Um, they weren't living in Faraday cages. They were using electromagnetic discharges to vitalize their body. And that's what we're doing with magnetism with the arc, plasma fields, so on and so forth. So, and blue shield cool. and scalar waves. Have you heard of that study? And I, I've referenced this so much and I wish I had more information. I forget if it was in Germany or Russia, somewhere over in that general vicinity, wherein they did an experiment where they had people living underground. Did you hear about that? And they, so basically it built like these underground um an underground facility and had people you know move in and sleep there and everyone got really sick in like a month and had to move out was it mold air was, no was it's it? just it's from being cut off from the ether we're, we're and not sun and everything else yeah, probably. yeah. we're yeah. not we're not designed I, again i wish i could provide a link or something it's just it's one of those things i read about and it really it just stuck in my awareness that huh we're not supposed to be, we're supposed to be on the surface of the earth, basically. Did they rule out geopathic the stress or underground um, rivers or any of that kind of stuff? Or? I don't know. I don't know. To... It just stuck in my mind as like, we tried to get people to live underground because you hear like these theories of, you know, under Mount Shasta, there's like civilizations of ETs and stuff. You know? Or those ca ancient caves in Turkey and yeah, yeah I all mean, those places. That's the thing. There is historical relevance to people seemingly having um, successfully lived underground, right? And in, in these ancient sites and stuff. Yeah, but that was a modern day experiment and people, they got horribly ill and had to abort the mission. Which is interesting because you'd think that you'd have some like earth resonant frequency application to the body, like what we do with the MISA, like with, you know, or, uh, you know, with the ginseng that we produce. Um, it's produced in the old world traditional way where you, um, you know, have a, a beeswax lined uh, vessel and you're basically doing a micro fermentation in the earth. Right? Oh, cool. So you're actually doing these processes of micro fermentation and 
Um, it seems like there would be some actual benefit to being kind of underground temporarily speaking, but that's interesting to find yeah, out that they were all Yeah, if anyone listening sick. knows that experiment uh, and can send it to me, please do, because I've referred to it a few times and I could actually, I could probably look it up online. Experiment where people lived underground and got sick. It's probably findable. Yeah. I just, sure. I've mentioned it to people like you and I'm, I'm always hoping they're like, oh yeah, I know all the details on that. <laughs> so yeah. I don't have to remember it. All right. What's this thing right here for those watching the video? It's, it's called the Evo. And I saw this, uh, this Blue Shield device online and I had no idea it was this big. I thought it was probably the same size as right. my old Cube. But this thing is very substantial. I mean, it's Massive. heavy. Like the Cube originally was very light. And when I first got it, I was like, what's this thing going to do? It weighs like an ounce, you know? And then obviously I was proven wrong because it worked. But what's the deal with this guy right here? It's what's inside that counts. Yeah, yeah the, the yeah. Evo is the, uh, the evolution of the Blue Shield technology. It's a completely new circuit. So um, okay. to kind of break it down, for those people that know Blue Shield or don't know Blue Shield, the original algorithm was basically uh, pulsing multiple uh, pulses every you know, half minute. So for three or four seconds, it'd be pulsing on and then it'd be completely off. So it'd sweep the body, it'd give the body a rest. The body really loves the break from the signals. All the, the scalar pulses with the code informational code on them would only last a few seconds, which is really good for biology. You know, you don't want something constant. That's the problem with EMF is that it's hammering people constantly. Um, the next generation was a dual band scaler. So it had a, a single output, um, phi ratio output, and then it was interrupted with the original Blue Shield algorithm. So it had the same tech as the old stuff that, but Mark was like, you know, 5G is just fast and everywhere. It's millimeter waves. You know, we need something that's actually going to um, kind of compete with that versus just the 30 seconds on off thing. And uh, so that was the dual band. That's kind of our current lineup. Now the Evo doesn't make any of that obsolete. The Evo is a completely new circuit where it's on all the time, but it has all these out of phase signals that in this really complex layer of code that uh, is more in, uh, it's, it's not millions of frequencies within the human responsive range. It's just kind of like low, mid to low, mid, high range. So it's still... Um, a diverse bandwidth for the body because the body likes variety. Um, but it's very much has a higher degree of specificity towards phi ratio and phi ratio mathematics. So um, what we found with this one in particular, not only being like stronger output as far as signal, 180 meters in all directions from the center of the, the device. So um, one of these in a house this size is like more than enough. More than enough. You just put it somewhere kind of in the center of the house and yeah. the whole house is getting the field. Yep. Concrete only has a 5% dampening effect on uh, because of the water concentration in it um, has a dampening effect on um, scalar, but everything else, it'll just go right through uh, instantaneously. So, and a lot of people where they live, they're a good neighbor to have. You know, yeah, like, know. They, they don't even know the benefits that they're giving I their neighbor. I think about that sometimes. Like, we're probably having a pretty positive impact on our three surrounding neighbors with all the different energetic things I have going on. I may have like organite shit buried in the yard and like all kinds of stuff. A lot of it, I don't even know if it works. I'm just like throw everything in the kitchen sink at it when it comes to EMF and chemtrails and God knows what else we're dealing with. Probably There's things that we're not with. even aware of that we're being assaulted by. Um, so for someone who wants to check out Blue Shield. Oh, there's also this wearable one. This, and this I also watch. misspoke on the, the Evo. I forgot that it's on all the time, but then it has five seconds or a few seconds off. Oh, okay. So it kind of full circle back to the other one. It was like mostly off and then a little bit on. This is the other way around. So this is mostly on and then it gives the, a complete signal break. Whereas the dual band, it's interrupted. The break is the original Blue Shield algorithm with the constant signal. So this is the, the evolution of that technology. I just want to clarify that. All right, cool. So. 
I forgot to mention this one here, which is the watch, which is super cool because I, I'm like shocked that I didn't lose one of the portables, the little pocket ones, which is why I put my phone number on the back of mine. Cause I was always paranoid. I, I never lost it somehow like, cause it was important to me. But then when the watch came out, I liked this because I didn't have to worry about it falling out of my pocket and I could, you know, wear it working out or doing whatever. Um, is this watch version still around? Yeah, we still have that one. Okay. And what's nice, it's got the red LEDs on the back too that are out of phase. So you got that um, oh, photobiomodulation uh, aspect to it. Oh, cool. Let's talk about the gut, y'all. The gut is essentially the fortress of your body. It's like the gateway to the immune system. And if it's inflamed or otherwise out of balance, you're going to be more susceptible to all kinds of issues. Dysregulation of the gut microbiome is strongly linked to a gang of problems, including Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis, cardiovascular disease, and of course, excess body fat. So it's an absolute must to keep your gut flora vibrant and healthy. One great way to do that is with something called SynFit, a new type of probiotic from Infinity Biotechnology. The powerful blend of probiotics and prebiotics in SynFit has been shown to lower fasting blood glucose and plasma insulin levels, triglycerides, and blood pressure. It also lowers LDL cholesterol and increases HDL within 60 days. Plus, it's specifically designed to reduce waist circumference and abdominal fat, which can lower your risk for diabetes, heart disease, and cardiovascular mortality. To get your hands on some SinFit, here's what you do. Go to infinity.com and use the code LOOP10 to get 10% off. And not only can they reduce your waistline, the probiotics contained in the SinFit also appear to have a marked effect on visceral fat. That's the fat that surrounds your important organs like the stomach, liver, and intestines. It's different than the subcutaneous fat that lies just below your skin, and it's more dangerous to your health. So a supplement that targets it could be a very useful tool to have. Learn all about it at infinitybiotechnology.com. And again, that code is Luke 10 So I want to kind of simplify, before we move on from the EMF and the Blue Shield stuff, I want to simplify for people that, are like, oh, this sounds cool. I want to check it out. And if you have a 1% return rate, sounds like most people find that it's useful. Um, you know, it's going to be dependent on people's budgets, of course. So maybe the one of the portables is, you know, a good entry point for someone in terms of how much money they have to spend. But what about like, if you live, which would you recommend, for example, if you live in the middle of a city in a small apartment versus a big house in the country and so on? Like what's kind of the breakdown in terms of the 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 wisest application for people depending on their specific situation? That's a good question. So there's basically two inherent models, like you're saying, there's the home units that you plug in, they're stationary, they run on the mains power, and then you have the portable devices. So we always say, we always say that if you are on a budget and you can only pick one or the other, always go with the home unit. That's where you're going to be sleeping and spending most of your time. You can take it to work with you. Um, that's going to be the strongest and best sympathetic resonance. The, these aren't powerful. These are just powered by lithium-ion batteries. You know, you have a 500 milliamp battery in there, a 1,000 milliamp battery, depending on the model. And Mark would say one thing, the, the inventor, he'd say like, don't trust that as your primary resonance. I've had customers buy those and they swear by it. Like their kid went to college and he sleeps with it under the pillow. Does just fine. I think personally, like the sympathetic uh, entrainment is going to happen faster with a home plug-in or a, a plug-in model. So within that spectrum, 
Um, if you're living in metropolitan city, high EMF, we have a, a great resources on our website where you can go and basically do antennasearch.com. And that gives us a, a, a relative gauge of like how many cell towers and antennas are in a two mile radius. So I love can, that site. Yeah. We'll put that in the show notes, you guys, antennasearch.com. And again, the show notes are lukestory.com slash Shen. Carry on. Yeah. So you would go there and kind of figure out what level you would need. And we have all the resources to figure out like within, you know, 200 antennas, it's this model. So major metropolitan area, of course, it's budget related, but usually you want to go with the strongest you can get a C1 or an Evo. Those are kind of like the top tier models. Uh, If you're in a more rural area and don't have as much radiation, uh, the plug-in works really well. And then the plug-in is kind of the most entry-level product. So you'd want the least amount of radiation in your environment. And uh, the Phi 3 is kind of our strongest of the um, entry-level series. Uh, and that's just an ABS plastic case versus a Drillium aircraft-grade alloy material. Um, so yeah, whatever your budget a- accounts for, um, you can always future-proof yourself because what's nice about this technology is that it works on your biology. So it doesn't matter what generation or what bandwidth. I mean, there's not much bandwidth left to go before we get into ionizing radiation, which they'll probably won't make legal. But, you know, so there's... Uh, I was wondering about that. Like, 5G's already using whatever up to 80 gigahertz or some shit. I'm like, what 6 and 7G can be? Yeah. You know, it's like you said, pretty soon, you're just going to have, like, basically an X-ray machine down the street. <laughs> you know, it's just crazy. It's wild. It's, it's unbelievable. And, and again, especially knowing that we can make the technology safer, um, telecoms, they have their, their way they go about things. And they, you know, they... Uh, why invent, reinvent the wheel? I love going to uh, quote unquote third world countries where they're still on like LTE and yeah. 3G. I see like a shitty cell tower. I'm like, yes, my phone barely works. This is amazing. I know. They're T9ing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I'm just dismayed at the short sighted nature of, uh, of human beings and their advancements in technology. I'm sure you've read The Invisible Rainbow. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, just looking at the advent of the 60 hertz electric grid and then the advent of um, AM radio and FM radio and then radar. It's like you can see all these correlations between widespread illness that is often attributed to things like crazy viruses and things when it's not. But there's there's a correlation which with each level of stupidity of humankind and our technology and our thirst for like convenience and of course the profit associated with offering that convenience to people. Right. It, it's just wild. I'm sure um, in a number of years we're going to look back on where we are now with the telecommunications and just go like, oh God, you know, like we look back on asbestos and. DDT and other things now are lead paint and whatever. And we look back and think, how could we have been so dumb? We are in that right now. It's on true. On a much bigger scale. And as long as, uh, you know, there's no regulation, they have no need to make similar to, you know, uh, 1986 and quaxines and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, if there's no liability, like why the hell do you have to do safety testing? Yeah. You really don't. Yeah, 100%. It's funny, I was uh, doing uh, an adjustment in the settings on my iPhone today and I came across the radiation exposure guidelines kind of thing. But just, yeah, and you click on it, it's like, we've determined that this is totally safe. Here's the data. (laughs) Like, really? That's so funny. Yeah, in the iPhone, somewhere in the settings there, you know, it gives you the information about the radiation levels and assures you that it's safe. I'm like, okay, put it under your pillow every night for a month and let me tell you how that brain cancer is going. Yeah, it's wild. Like I, I'm working with these, the PhD on the, the paper, you learn a lot. Like, because he's like on the guy that's writing our, our technical paper that's going to be submitted to a PubMed indexed um, medical journal. 
uh, for Blue Shield. Uh, he knows, he's kind of on our wave, like he knows kind of what's going on. It's just amazing to see like what they'll do, like how many studies they'll actually do and do and do until they get what they want to appear in the study. You know, yeah, it's pretty wild. Right. Like, like looking it at does happen. how they did the, the sleight of hand where they, um, you know, talked about cell phones being safe to put up to your head and, and they're measuring the temperature, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, the phones don't get hot. They're, they're trying to pretend like it's the, the heat of the cell phone that's going to damage Thermal your effect, brain, yeah. you know, it's just like, oh God. But, you know, thankfully there's people like you and podcasts like me to share this information and, you know, I always... And I know you share this perspective too, because you're into energetics and emotional healing and all the things you're into, but it, it always is a balance of educating oneself, uh, building more awareness around some of the things in our environment, like EMF that are deleterious to our health and well-being, but also being paranoid about it and worrying about it is also really bad for you. It's a stressor. Yeah. So it's like, it's a double whammy. So I'm always kind of dancing on, on that razor's edge of like, okay, cool. I know this is going on now. How can I not worry about it? And well, yeah. Knowledge is a tool, right? Like you, you want to use tools to be constructive versus destructive. So um, knowledge can actually be very beneficial. Like for instance, if, if you're afraid of like violent crime, like you study self-defense, that helps, right? Like you, you have to kind of be aware of the problem but unless you do something about it and train like how to do something about it, then um, you know you can you can really kind of supersede the the negative aspect of the stress because we're life is stressful, right? Like there's all these things that could like put, impose stress on us, including uh, self-imposed stress with mind and emotions and all this kind of stuff. So that's why I think you know being as well-rounded as you can and, and studying like martial arts with healing arts that's always been studied as a like a harmonious balance, you know. So um, it gives a certain kind of confidence. And I think what you do and the information you provide to people gives that confidence so they can like live well-informed and, and strategically with their life so they can actually um, step out of the fear. Because all this scary, weird, geopolitical, whatever, whatever that's happening, um, our minds can override that. Just like the mind can override a poor diet. The, the consciousness is the most powerful tool you have. And most people don't want to train Qigong or train the 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 martial mental side of things, but it's very useful uh, for people that are willing to put in the work. When I interviewed Bruce Lipton a few years ago, I said, you know, he's talking about the biology of the belief, right, and how power, powerfully held beliefs change your biology, right? The basis of his groundbreaking work. And I said, all right, so this is after I'd moved out of the house with the cell towers, and I was like, all right, Bruce or Doctor Lipton. If I'm living next to a cell tower and I have a strong enough belief that it can't hurt me, am I impervious to harm? And he said, 100%. <laughs> if your belief is strong enough. I was like, that's an interesting theory. I'm still not moving near one of those damn things, but it, he made a, a good point you know, around that uh, in relation to what you just said. You know, how, how much laser-like focus can you hold in your mind? Yeah. I mean, look at you know these breatharians that I think have existed and probably exist, right? I mean, everyone's fighting about keto, paleo, vegan, whatever. And meanwhile, there's people just getting prana from the ethers and sun gazing and shit and doing just fine because they've managed to discipline themselves in a way to be able to access and harness that energy. Yeah. So if you can if you can maintain the charge between physicality and spirituality. I mean, we're we're all made up of this dipole. So, you know, we have a physical body, but we also have a spirit and kind of like we have this quantifiable, measurable, tangible electromagnetic transverse universe that we can measure and, you know, stamp and crystallize and put under a microscope. Then we have like dreams and we have like 
astral projection. We have all these um, phenomenon that uh, we can do. And, you know, obviously we're not living up to our full potential. Like I, you know, it sounds to the lay person, like if, I, if I'm by a, a cell tower and my belief is strong enough, the whole thing that you just said, it sounds pretty far out that you're like, your mind can override this, like these powerful signals. But if you understand what is everything, like what, what, what are we like living in? What is this plasma cocoon that we're living in? This ether, this whatever. It's, uh, it's less and less far out, especially when you see people like having legitimate powers of like pyrokinesis. You think, oh, lighting stuff on fire with your hand, that's stupid. You know, like, I'm, like that's completely ridiculous. However, if you think about how many millivolts each of your trillion cells are, and you extrapolate that out, you're like 300,000 volts in your body. So spontaneous combustion and pyrokinesis focused energy, focused chi concentrated, this starts to make a little bit of sense, right? So my friend Alex Zach legit bent a spoon with his mind. He's trained to do it and he did it. He, he was only able to do it once. I don't know if he kept trying, but he did the one and he has the spoon on his desk. And I know he's not lying. So there's a lot more to uh, our existence here than meets the eye. Before we move on from Blue Shield, uh, for people that want to check that out, go to lukestory.com slash Blue Shield, B-L-U, no E. lukestory.com slash Blue Shield and use the code Luke to save 10% off. Uh, but before we officially move on from that, because I want to cover so much with you today, we have a finite amount of time. Um, tell me a little bit more about the study that you guys are doing and what differentiates it from some of the other studies that people do, um, you know, around HRV or live blood cell analysis. What makes this one more scientifically rigorous than the other related studies about EMF uh, mitigation? Yeah, it's, it's a lot more rigorous. Uh, this is a pilot study. We're considering it a pilot study because it's our first uh, clinical trial uh, research. It's uh, 12 weeks uh, with 30 participants. And um, it's independent review board certified. So there's a review board independently certifying that all of our processes and scientific method and all everything, how we're collecting data, the ethics, all of it is, is, is basically by the book. And what this means is because it's independent review board certified, it's the first EMF category product that, um, you know, not only can uh, be published in a medical journal that's PubMed indexed, but it's the only one that I'm aware of that's gone to this length of scrutiny and testing like blood, heart rate variability, neurocognitive function, blood sugar levels, all this kind of stuff. We're also waiting, the data we're waiting on is for the voltage gated calcium uh, channel and gene expression. Um, I've never, most people are testing against, you know, water or they're testing heart rate variability, but within a short duration. And we just put, put out a, a blog, an article where um, heart rate variability is very tricky and you want to kind of do it more of a, over a long stretch of time. And we saw, you know, statistically significant data there. We saw the data was statistically significant with um, working memory, REM sleep, deep sleep. Um, we had an 8% drop in glucose which I don't know if you're familiar with Mag Dr. Magna Havis's work, but she made the correlation with like blood sugar and, and EMF exposure as far as like, you know, you got the voltage-gated calcium, child, uh, um, voltage calcium channel side, and then you got the blood sugar side. And, um, you know, these are kind of proposed causal mechanisms. I mean, anything that affects our voltage is going to affect everything. It's really hard to isolate. Like EMF does this to the body. You know, yeah. that's really hard to isolate. But we did see in a very healthy population, meaning these people... I don't know if they're keto or what, but their levels were really good. Like anybody would be happy with their blood sugar glucose levels prior to the, the pre-data on the blood. Uh, we still saw an 8% decrease. 
So in the next study we're going to do is going to be a more dynamic cohort and hopefully more people and hopefully we can fund that all. Uh, we're self-funded on all of it, which is great. So uh, it's really expensive to do these clinical trials, but we're seeing all these metrics um, across the board improve. And uh, it's just kind of really exciting. And I'm really excited to drop that study this That's fall. That's rad. I can't wait. Um, I don't know that... I think this episode will come out before that, but obviously people can go look at the study on your site when it comes out. Oh, that was another thing that was really intriguing to me about the Blue Shield uh, technology in the beginning. And we talked to Mark about that. And as I said, episode 198 was the animal studies. And I, I want to belabor the topic, but it was really compelling to me that in New Zealand, his original studies were on, I think, a chicken farm and a cow farm or something, right? right? And they... You can't placebo animals. So that was that was really interesting. And people can go back and, uh, and listen to that to get more information. But um, the funny thing about pe- people like you guys that are self-funding studies to me is that you still have to pay for the study even if you don't get the results you want. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they're expensive. Yeah. So when everyone's like, I meet companies like you and they're like, we're doing a study. I go, oh man, I hope for their sake that you know they get what they wanted to hear because you can't be like, hey, we want a refund because our shit didn't work. Right. So, and that's the purpose of doing a pilot study. It's, it uh, could have been more like, uh, it's, we're basically want to go to further testing, but we kind of had to like splatter paint and just figure out like what is sticking and like what's, cause we don't actually, like most people, it's debatable. Like what's actually causal about EMF? We know for certain from this study that people sleep way better and they get more, more neurotransmitter function. And, uh, you know, they have better blood sugar levels for sure. And their heart rate variability is increasing on a trend that's positive for sure over 12 weeks of time, gradually, incrementally gets better and better. So that's what we know right now at this moment. And again, we're still waiting on some of the true diagnostics who that was our sponsor into the, the independent review board certification. So, uh, once we get that data and they they have, they just got the patent on their new algorithm. So they're going to put all of our data through their whole new system, which is really cool. That hasn't really, so their, uh, Horvath aging clock, all this kind of stuff is brand spanking new, uh, which they had some issues with, with some of their older algorithms, in my opinion, and, and self-admittedly by them. Uh, but it's really going to be exciting to see like what comes out with this new That's algorithm. That's I can't yeah. wait to see it. Um, swear the last question on this topic. Is there any difference in the mechanism of action of Blue Shield devices depending on whether or not you're in an old school country with 3G or if you're living in New York City with 5G? It's, no. it's It's a blanket solution regardless of like what frequencies are in your Yeah, because it's working on the biology. You can walk through any energy field. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, we're producing energy fields all the time. You, uh, somebody has a, uh, a fight with somebody or their sp- you know, spouse is arguing or something like that in a room and then people walk in after that, they can like literally feel the energy in the room is like off or different. And if that pattern happens over a number of years, like somebody could be like moved out of the house for a long period of time and it's like in the wood and actually in the physical structure. So we're always interacting with energy fields, good, bad, negative, indifferent, whatever. Um, so it really doesn't matter because the blue shield's causing the entrainment at the cell level and it's, Create, it's allowing the body to have more surplus charge because it's all about charge, charge distribution, right? Like unhealthy cells in the body forgot how to communicate with all the other cells. So, you know, if we can really use PEMF, if we can use like Blue Shield technology and herbs to kind of get that cellular communication back, then everything can be optimized and the natural adaptation within the, the, the structures of the body can, you know, be optimized essentially. Awesome. Excellent. All right. I think I've exhausted that topic to my satisfaction hopefully the audiences <laughs> as well and i try to think of every question that someone listening would have and not miss them which is why these things end up being a couple hours long 
All right, let's move on to Shen Blossom. And I'm so glad that we are finally able to have uh, a conversation about this because I've been using your products kind of quietly, low-key for, I don't know, many years now. I think probably since the time we met or something. And there are a couple in here that are part of my daily routine. And as I'm using stuff, I'm always curious about them. Um, The first one being what you call the blood purifier. And Aka Hinoki. I figured out this what's it called? Hinoki? Aka Hinoki. Yeah. Aka Hinoki. And and is all your stuff of Japanese origin? Um, you know, 95% of it. There's some things that I uh, source, like the Biocean minerals that I don't make. You know, the, these people have done it very well with the Renee Quintone lineage and some things yeah. that I feel are really good additions or supplements to our line. But yeah, our our supply chain is completely 100 percent unique. And it was a relationship that I've developed. Um, with families, we have a network of families in Japan, essentially, and you know their skill set as far as not only like harvesting and knowing where to harvest some of these wild botanicals, but um, their skill set in processing them in certain regards. We process about eighty percent in house at our lab in, in Kansas City, um, so we get raw material picked and harvested at the proper time, which is super important. And we trust these people because we know they've been doing it for a long period of time. But certain teas, for example, um, that's a skill set. You know, you can't really control nature and humidity and you know, all these levels when you're doing fermentations or when you're making miso or uh, shoyu or any of this kind of stuff. So these these guys are masters at their craft and there's only like, and some of these things, there's only one place to get it in the world of that grade and that quality. So we're very blessed and fortunate to be able to like house these and bring these surplus uh, products to people. And it's been a passion project of mine for a long time because you know, working in the health and wellness industry for like 20 years, you know, doing everything from supply chain, like product development, you know, you see kind of the the patterns in the big labs. And, um, you know, most people are just really creative with their branding, but they're getting a lot of their raw materials from the same source produced in the same way, five to one extracts, this and that. So I was just like, dude, if I'm going to do something, I want it to be like innovative and creative and unique. Um, And just life put me on that path. And I met the people I met and we were able to develop a really tight-knit family uh, network in Japan uh, that's been doing this in 20 generations. I mean, that's a lot of skill and knowledge refined and passed down uh, with food products and, and herbal products and things of that nature. So um, we've this is the first time we've actually really talked on any platform really about it because we've always I've always really wanted these things to speak for themselves. Because if you have been around herbs, if you've tasted herbs or culinary foods or any of this kind of stuff, and then you taste this and you have a sophisticated enough palate, even if you don't really have a sophisticated palate, like people like notice a difference in these because they're traditional sake extracts versus like, you know, uh, a lot of these dual extracts that are on the market and they just have a different quality, flavor profile, effect, efficacy, you know, um, it's, it's just really special stuff. And this is, the herbs are where my heart is because they're the, the most powerful medicines I think we can really utilize in our body. I mean, tech is fun and I'm, we like our toys, right? We like to play with this kind of stuff and develop, I like developing these kind of electromagnetic and, and plasma things. But uh, at the end of the day, nature is supreme. You know, it has a supreme intelligence and it's all built into what comes out of nature. And if we can utilize old school traditional techniques to break it down in a way that doesn't disturb its natural, its nature, its character, its personality, so to speak, um, and we can concentrate it, but make it protected and preserved. For, for instance, some of our ginsengs and some of our extracts, they're like literally like 22%, 24% um, uh, alcohol concentration, where a lot of tinctures you see online are like 40%, 50% high ethanol concentrations. And that can disturb the chemistry of some plants. Like for instance, ginseng, um, if you put a too high enough of an ethanol concentration and you're prioritizing time, 
meaning you can get it done more quickly and break down the starch and squeeze every last drop out of these like older ginseng roots. Um, you don't really kind of you you miss the point that you're changing the chemistry with this alcohol and you can flip some uh, androgenic compounds in ginseng, for example, into estrogens. So there's a low and slow way that we take with, with shin blossom. That's why, you know, some of the stuff goes out of stock. We might not have certain things for a season and it's very boutique, very, uh, very old school preparations. And uh, yeah, um, again, I like to let them like speak for themselves and have people just taste them. And that's when they get the best education versus me talking about it. Getting older is just one of those things, man. It happens to the best of us, even your humble host. I'm about to turn 53 this year. Yikes. Now, what if I told you there was a way to hack into the aging process and fight back against age-related decline? MitoPure from Timeline Nutrition is a breakthrough postbiotic that activates your body's natural defense against aging. This stuff is clinically shown to trigger a crucial recycling process within our cells called mitophagy, that promotes healthy aging. And it's the first product to offer a precise dose of something called urolithin A, which is a compound derived from pomegranate. 10 years of research shows that it upgrades mitochondrial function, increases cellular energy, and improves muscle strength. And you can get your daily dose three different ways. Mitopure's berry powder is great for your morning smoothie, which is my favorite personally. They've also got soft gels, which are convenient for travel. And finally, their delicious vanilla protein powder combines muscle-building protein with the cellular energy of Mitopure to support strength in a brand new way. So here's what's up. Head over to TimelineNutrition.com Luke. Punch in code LUKE10 to get 10% off any 2, 4, or 12-month Mitopure plan. Again, use promo code LUKE10 for 10% off any 2, 4, or 12-month Mitopure plan at TimelineNutrition.com Luke. That's been my experience, but I still appreciate you talking about it. And I'm honored that I'm the, maybe the first podcast you've been able to uh, have the opportunity to go in depth on this. But what struck me about the Shen Blossom at first, I think, was I had no idea there was a lineage of herbalism in Japan. Because <laughs> it's like Chinese herbs from China, obviously, Ayurvedic herbal system from India. I mean, those are kind of the, the ones that you hear about, maybe a little bit in Korea. So when I found you and your stuff, I was like, wait, Japan? I didn't even know they did this. I mean, I knew, you know, miso and puer tea and some other things like that, but you're on a whole other level here. Um, and by the way, this toasted sesame oil, like, dude, I could straight up drink this. This was so good. I had a little taste of that earlier. But back to the Aka Hinoka. Hinoki. Hinoki. Yeah, like the tree. Um, blood purifier. Yeah. So... I think I maybe ordered this on your site or something because when you have to be careful how you say things these days because of the because of the coof the oh, yeah the over the overlords of censorship. But I found out about this phenomenon of shedding, right? And so I'm like, oh, okay, that's not good. I mean, no one in my immediate vicinity has elected to experiment on themselves in that manner. But nonetheless, it, it's a potential real issue. So I started seeing people talk about um, pine needle tea, and there's this it's called. What's that word? Um, shikimic acid. Shikimic acid yeah. will break down the spike proteins and all this stuff. And yeah, then I figured out yeah. that this seemed to be some kind of pine oil, if I'm not mistaken. It's a so, resin. A yeah. resin. Okay. Yeah. So I started I started taking this and I take this on every trip now because who knows, you're sitting on an airplane breathing the air of all these people that have mutated themselves. 
um, what's nice about it is, is it crosses the blood-brain barrier. So what we usually recommend is if somebody can wants the full um, full spectrum effect, you know, put a couple drops in some hot water and inhale and then drink it. Um, what I often do is I'll take like and maybe I can go over this a little bit. So you want to start with one drop of this stuff. It's super potent, as you know yeah, from taking like it. Yeah, it's like turpentine. I mean, it's hardcore. Yeah, so you basically work your way up to about... You don't really ever do more than six drops in a day. So when you take this under your tongue, you do some deep inhalation. And what's nice about adding a little bit of frankincense, which you probably know about the legendary effects of frankincense. I mean, everybody knows it's, it's what it does for misaligned cells and all, all kinds of things. Um, it happens across the blood-brain barrier. So the pituitary pineal gland, the inner glands of the brain, it happens to like permeate the tissues of the body very, very well. Um, you know, I've, I've looked into the shikimic acid and like the validity of the claims. I can't say one way or the other. Obviously, it's my product line. There's only so much you can say about things with herbs, but uh, you notice how powerful and, and uh, intense that is. And another aspect I like about it, and and we can look at nature as far as like being our teacher and example that, you know, trees, how they heal themselves are through resins. You know, if they get a cut or abrasion or if they have a mold or fungus trying to attack them, that's kind of the first line of defense for it. So in the human biology, it kind of works in the same way as it's it's kind of broad spectrum blood purification, but it's also increasing nitrogen, ox, uh, nitric oxide production as well, which we know from like sweating and saunas and this kind of stuff, nitric oxide, uh, nitric oxide production is very, very beneficial in a lot of ways. That's cool. Wow. So this essentially the blood purifier, I mean, aside from my kind of just conspiracy theorist application of it, um, <laughs> actually I'm a conspiracy analyst to be, to be accurate about it. Um, but this, you could use this as like a tonic herb essentially. I mean, like, a, um, no, Okay. So when, when you talk about tonics, uh, the distinction is like something that's a medicinal herb, like a formula that you would get from an acupuncturist that's for you for a specific condition. You would cycle on that for X amount of days and then you'd be off of it once you right. don't need it. So this is not tonic in the sense that you do need to air out the glands and air out the body. So you want to take cyclical breaks. Uh, usually that looks like uh, five days on, two days off. So a couple right. days a week, you don't want to be doing it. But if you're doing a, like a long cleansing protocol, you're doing a you know, most parasite egg laying cycles are about 100 days. So if you're going doing the overkill 120 days cycle with like the mountain detox and stuff like that, you would cycle on and off of that uh, at least two days a week. Is there an anti-parasitic effect of this? Oh, like, certainly. Like yeah. turpentine and things like yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, that cool. sends in uh, noise and chemicals that they don't like. They yeah, don't want to hang out in yeah. that environment. So Yeah, well, I'm glad you said that you just start with a drop because I think... I hadn't had it in a while, but I just took a flight. So I, of course, brought it with me and I was doing, I don't know, probably four or five drops. But I seem fine. But you're used to it. <laughs> I'm just saying, for a newbie, that would be kind of intense. Yeah, but I like intense things. I think sometimes a little too much. I want to, like, if I'm going to do something, I want to feel it. And then I'll kind of scale back if I take it too far, which is not how I advise doing herbalism or anything else, but it's just my way. All right, the next thing um, is your... Green MSM. Now, I love MSM, but after discovering it, I don't know, 20 years ago and doing some research, I found that not all MSM is created equal. And like you mentioned earlier, many of these big companies get all their shit from the same place and it's, right. it just has a different label on it. Everyone just white labels everything. Yeah. I've never seen this kind of MSM, this sulfur compound, and you can break down what it is. I've never seen one like this that's green. And feels not very far removed from the cellulose of a tree or a plant. Like it feels like it's minimally processed. 
And I don't know, my body just likes it. And I never asked you about it or looked into it. I just thought, oh, MSM, maybe his is good. And I got some. And yeah. now I will never touch any other MSM. So maybe tell me about this. And then, you know, out of your other products here, well, there's a couple other ones I use regularly, like the, uh, the black sesame uh, butter and stuff like that. But there's probably things that are cool that I don't know about yet. So you can tell us like your favorites. But since I love the MSM, because I'm always trying to work on my joints and flexibility and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's one that I've been using pretty much every day for quite a long time now. So what's the story with your, what's the story with MSM in general and why this one is awesome? Yeah. So that is actually one of my favorite products if we're talking about favorite products and it's one we're kind of well known for at this point um, because it is green, but that doesn't come from the crystalline process. Um, MSM is uh, obviously organic sulfur methyl sulfonylmethane. So uh, most of it's produced, like you're saying, like by a couple of big labs. Like Bergstrom's probably the biggest. They have a clean five times distilled. Um, I think their, I think their trademark is Opti MSM. If I remember that correctly, it's been years. It's like you know five or six times distilled. A lot of what they're getting their raw material from is paper milling industry and the petrochemical industry, and they're just cleaning that up, refining it, purifying it, distilling it, and doing this process to get MSM crystals. Um, some companies add silicon dioxide as a flow agent, so on and so forth. But um, uh, we basically kind of went back to our roots, and this is more in alignment with the old um, uh, wood pulp tonic that uh, they would make in Japan. So uh, it is distilled. It's a very dangerous process. Like it's very volatile. It's uh, hard to do. We we can basically make about twelve pounds in about six weeks. So uh, very small batch, uh, but we're using. Um, so we basically use a uh, alkaline. Um, wood ash, and we basically take uh, juniper, juniper off our property. There's uh, bamboo pith. There's uh, rosemary stems. We're using as the base, right? So, but MSM is MSM. Once you process that down in an alkali solution, you're doing the distillation process, the heating and cooling. Um, the crystals are crystals. They look pretty much similar to anything you'd find commercially, but they're from a like a just a good source. So I think. To me, that has meaning and, and I, I can feel and taste the difference where most people wouldn't really notice the difference right off the bat. But what we decided to do to enhance the structure function or the direction or the action of the product was to infuse our green elements formula at a certain stage in the cooling process. So, we did, so, so we're basically imprinting the resonant frequencies of the food or the, I mean, there's like 90 different ingredients in the green elements into, and we added a couple, uh, there's a phytoplankton we added, we added a little rhodiola for the structure function direct direction of it. And what's neat about that is that it crystallizes into the structure. So even though it drops out of solution when you put it in water, because MSM is like water soluble, so you'll see the green kind of come into the, um, uh, the water that you're drinking, uh, there's still, I think, the imprint through the heating and cooling process into the crystalline structure of the MSM that has a benefit as the sulfur uh, connects with connective tissue. And you're talking about the benefits. Uh, it's all about connective tissue, hair, skin, nails, joints. It creates superoxide dismutase in the body. It's going to be doing a lot of really great stuff. It's massive anti-inflammatory. And um, <laughs> if we can even say that these days. Um, it's it's really kind of uh, a, a really useful mineral. And you know, 53% of dry weight urine is sulfur. So we, we go through a lot of wow. it, we lose a lot of it. And then we denature and, and lose a lot of it in our, our food um, when we process it incorrectly or we're just not getting enough. So it's a good thing to awesome. supplement. And usually, awesome. I, usually I try and do full spectrum herbs and foods, generally speaking, but there's some examples. And we kind of made the MSM a full spectrum food just because of the green elements addition to it and through that process. Um, we, we made it more than just a single 
like you don't want single frequency generators, you know, you want multi multi complex waveforms. We wanted this to have kind of a, a support system for the MSM to really do what it does. And that's why we think it's a lot more effective than just any kind of um, MSM on the market for the most part. I love it. It's amazing. I was really happy to find it, um, especially because some of it, I started looking into it and it's like, yeah, it's just a byproduct of the paper industry. And it's, you know, you basically just powdered pulp. It just was very suspect, you know, so I, it was hard to find a brand that I could trust, but my body likes it. Yeah. And DMSO is very aggressive. It's like the precursor. It's MSM is oxidized DMSO, dimethyl sulfoxide. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I've recently been, I did an episode recently on DMSO and I've had it around. I use it topically for a long time, but um, I, I, not so much of I haven't so much gravitated toward using it internally. This It'll seems make like, you smell good. Seems a little aggressive, <laughs> and it makes your whole house reek. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hardcore. All right, so I want to talk about PMF, and I want to talk about um, the Therify. But really quick before we move on from the Japanese herbs and the whole Shen Blossom world, um, something else I think is interesting about your line is that there are some things like the MSM, for example, that are more of a supplement, but there are many of them that are actually just delicious foods or food kind of, I don't know, food additives is the right word because that sounds artificial, but just things like your, uh, what's, what's this one right here? Then the, the nori sprinkle. Yeah. Like the nori sprinkle. I don't even know what it is. It just makes my food taste good. And that's as far as I got with it. But a lot of your stuff like the toasted sesame oil are things that you can actually, you integrate into your diet and eat as food. So maybe give us a quick breakdown just on the medicinal nature of some of the food products. Yeah. And you know, what's, what's really cool about um, the Japanese lineage, like when you go back to what you were talking about originally about like Orveda and TCM, like most of the herbal um, systems come from Orveda. It's one of the oldest in the, in the world. And then that migrated and um, the Chinese kind of formulated their own system over like 5,000 plus years. And then that kind of migrated over to Japan where they in, imbued like kind of the understanding of TCM, five element theory, yin and yang, and blended it with their uh, herbal folk medicine, their, their indigenous folk medicine. So um, food is huge in Japanese culture as far as like, and, and obviously I got into nutrition and herbalism and understanding that food is medicine, right? So I, I wanted to make it as easy as possible for people to eat fast, quick, healthy stuff. And if people aren't really technically skilled, you can make culinary applications a work of art and you can make it uh, medicinally viable using five element theory. So if you balance sweet, salt, you know, pungent flavors, you know, you can balance all of these things in a way. So I was like, why don't we just make some formulas like nori sprinkle or the Mediterranean spice and I'm working on an Italian blend right now. Um, why don't we make it something easy that people can just sprinkle on stuff if they're not like culinary savvy and they'll get the health benefits, the, the medicinal benefits, but it's also just delicious food. So that's kind of what we, and, and obviously I'm a huge fan of shoyu. I couldn't find anything on the market that I liked. And then, you know, having these connections in Japan, I'm like, hey, find me that good stuff, the spring water, like <laughs> done right, fermented and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we just were like, can we get enough of this to sell? Like, that's what I, there's some things like you've tried today that we just don't get enough. And it's just so specialty that we just could never really put it on the website. It's a bummer that ginseng. And then the other brain tonic with the Shizandra uh, extract in it. That was super rad too. That's actually that one I'm thinking of putting like, it's just a time thing. We got to make it and do the whole thing. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of like have these butters and produce them away because like you just can't go get a, a black sesame butter off the shelf or a toasted sesame oil. I mean, you've 
I don't know if you tried toasted sesame oil uh, from the store. There's there's nothing like this, dude. Depth of character and the flavor profile. Yeah, and also the oxidation. Like uh, you know, we're we're talking about seed oils have been rightly demonized, but they're not all seed oils are created equal. I mean, I drink black cumin oil from Activation. I don't drink. I mean, I take little hits of that, and it's it's in in all your stuff is in Myron glass. Maybe you could speak to that in a second too, for those that don't know, but. my issue with something like sesame oil is I like the taste of it, but it always tastes rancid and off. It's oxidized because plants make seeds to protect what's inside of them. And then we bust them open. They're not supposed to be busted open unless you do it in a way that doesn't make them go bad. So a lot of the bad rap that seed oils gets is not solely because of the type of fat that they contain, but it's because of how they're processed, which turns them into an inflammatory shitstorm. Right. And then people get hung up on the fat ratios of the carbon chains, like uh, EPA, DHA, all this kind of stuff, but they don't realize like some of them have lignans, some of them don't. So some of the lignans are anti-inflammatory while they might have more oxidative, like or um, inflammatory omega-6, for example, like they're counterbalanced with a lot of lignans and anti-inflammatory like fibers and stuff. So yeah, it gets a little tricky understanding and, and people get like hyper fixated on one component, but that's kind of the mindset we've been trained in, like standardize your extracts. We're looking for the schizandra fraction or the ginsinicide fraction. And we're going to constant, we'll just strip everything out, concentrate as much as we can on that one fraction. Meanwhile, all the cofactors, enzymes, and elements that are helping it be biocompatible and usable by the body are just completely stripped out. So you might be getting a medicinal, uh, a high level of medicinal fractionized, isolated nutrient but that doesn't mean it's going to be work that well in the body. Nature puts it together how it intends. And we try and everything that we do that's concentrated, which they are very concentrated herbal extracts, they're you know coming in a way that's delivered as nature would intended, except protected like that seed oil in a way that's you know non-rancid. Can you explain why you use the Myron glass instead of just plastic jars or clear glass or the amber glass that you typically see products uh, come in? Yeah, I'm... I wanted to go even old school, more old school with that, with the Egyptian stuff, because Egyptians would use volcanic uh, vessels made out of volcanic uh, minerals. And um, this is kind of the closest technology. The, uh, the maroon glass only allows um, uh, infrared waves of light through the, the material. So um, if you look at like tomatoes or like oregano, for example, that's a good example. Um, people have oregano that sits on your shelf for a while and then it just becomes like, it loses its vibrancy and color. It kind of turns this like yellow color. Uh, it's less aromatic. You know, the flavor profile is not as good, but you put it in maroon glass and it energi- literally energizes it and it kind of almost brings it back to life uh, in a sense. So I like using maroon because uh, it's the best vehicle of protection. Like I don't, for example, these, I don't like these, um, this plastic, right? Like I, I don't really like that, but for preserving nutrients, it's the best that there is. It keeps oxygen out, keeps lights out. Some of these like uh, prepared wakame or uh, nori sprinkle or um, things like that. Sometimes I have to opt for these kind of like mylar bags because what's going to serve the product the best? I have to think about that first. When I can, I put everything into maroon because that serves the product the best, especially with liquid extracts. Awesome. Well, thank you for doing that. And I know because I have friends that have skincare lines and stuff and they use that glass. It's way more expensive. <laughs> it's yeah, like more than double. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard. I, I always feel bad throwing that these glass containers away. I have a pretty decent collection of them and I'll just like scrub the label off and use it for, I don't know, store my microdoses or things that don't come in a proper container. Yeah. But yeah, I'm always bummed. I'm like, ah, I don't want to throw this away because I know it's 
expensive and it's useful. And it's so interesting that it filters out the UVA and UVB, which is what causes things to oxidize and degradate. It's just so interesting that somebody came up with that in a glass. Yeah, it's basically like a glass rainbow or something. It's just so cool. Yeah, they were kind of playing on that old uh, ancient Egyptian vessel, like tourmaline uh, vessels that they used to use. Oh, is that how they came up with it? Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. All right, let's talk about PEMF. So this is a topic I've covered uh, a few times on the show, and we'll do our best to, to link to those. And also, by the way, we'll link to the Shen Blossom with the discount code in the show notes at loopstory.com slash Shen. And we'll also put the information about the ARC PMF and the, uh, what's the plasma thing called again? Therify. Therify, yeah. yeah. We'll put links to everything we're talking about at that. Just know that if you guys want to check this stuff out, there's discount codes and all that good stuff. Um, so I talked about PEMF on the show. I'm a huge fan. I have uh, various devices around the house in the PEMF range. Uh, but when I heard you talk about yours on Matt Blackburn's uh, show, Mito Life, shout out to that. It's one of my favorite podcasts. I was like, what the hell? This dude is doing some next level shit that is way different than I, I think. And maybe I could be wrong, but I've never heard of anyone doing it in kind of an analog, you know, more um, earth compatible way to deliver these frequencies to the body. And then before we started recording, you guys put me on the session and it was freaking epic. I mean, way cooler than any PMF thing I've ever used. And I'm not just saying that because you're here. Yeah, uh, even if you yeah. weren't here, I would tell you. Say it's, that to all the guests, right? It's, no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, yeah, it was pretty cool. Thanks for bringing that. But no, it's you're on to something really, really interesting here. So, um, you know, I don't want to take up too much time kind of re-explaining what PEMF is. Maybe if you could just briefly kind of describe what PEMF is and how it's used therapeutically and then take us into um, what you've done differently because I think that's really interesting. Sure, yeah. Pulse electromagnetic therapy, field therapy has been around for a long time. Uh, What you're doing is you're inducing a magnetic charge onto the cells, essentially. And uh, from what I understand, the primary mode of action is that it works on the polar lipids. So you have these lipids around the cells that are hydrophilic and um, lipophilic. And what happens when you... um, Let me back up. There's two main different types of PEMF. There's oscillators, and then there's like what they call impulse devices. So the oscillators basically are are a computerized system that resonates waveforms. So they have a waveform like a triple sawtooth, square wave, sine wave, whatever the brand decides to use as a carrier. And then depending on how sophisticated they are and their signal generator, they, they add these frequency waveforms. They either are constant or they change throughout the day depending on, again, the brain of the unit. But the principal understanding is that they're creating a waveform that creates sympathetic resonance entrainment, like with the blue shield. So what it does is it starts to vibrate the cells in a way to where uh, it creates the entrainment and then those different brainwave states that you can get into or oscillations, depending on the tissue type, will start resonating and, and getting this like micro-massage. And now the impulse machines are far more intense. So you're creating a, just a magnetic discharge. If you look under an oscilloscope, it's called a slew rays, just up, down. It's like a peak 
snap, which you heard on, on our machine. That's raw magnetic energy. And a lot of companies make machines that are high intensity. They have different ways to kind of get around the, the spark gap chamber issue, which they'll build it in a vacuum or they'll do just different techniques to try and keep the spark chamber from needing frequent calibrations or oxidizing parts or what have you. So we have these two different systems. I'm a huge fan personally of everything I've tested out and played with. I like the stronger magnetic fields. Now, I a lot of people out there, they talk about like the weaker magnetic fields and the benefits and that's all cool. I'm not here to like argue that point. I just, I want more horsepower out of something. I'm like, like you, I want that intensity where it's, uh, you can feel something really going on. Well, you didn't even have this thing turned up all the way. And it was like rattling my whole body. You're like, want me to turn it up? And I'm pretty, I like intense stuff. And I was like, I'm good right there. Yeah. It's, very powerful. Yeah, it's very, very powerful. And what I wanted to do with it, and this whole process came from understanding magnetism. And then I really wanted to build something because I wasn't finding anything that I liked. The highest end product, lowest end product. I don't remember even how many units I've bought and played with over the years. And then how many ones I tested out that were high intensity, but nothing really satisfied. Like, I, how do we replicate nature? I want to make lightning in a box. I want like old Tesla tech that's really charges the cells. You know, you see those old pictures of him and he has this big mushroom like electro and he's just firing off lightning into the room. He's just sitting there reading a book. You know, he's charging his cells up. Like, how do we get something that works at that level? I ended up finding a couple engineers that they were in the medical industry. They worked on MRI machines and things of that nature and collaborated with my friend and colleague who's an acupuncturist. And we we're just like, how do we make the most natural signal and we found that a lot of even high-intensity machines were solid state. So they were semiconductor technology. They were mitigating voltage. They make it so you can like completely control the signal. And I know, the, I understand like what's going on with the fractality of nature and that nothing's ever repetitious like in nature. And these machines, I think they were mo moving towards more of a clinical mindset where a practitioner can put it on a level five, level five intensity at this amplitude and this frequency, and they can get that consistency. Where I think, Practitioners, by and large, are coming around to understanding that the body doesn't really work like that. It needs variety. So the slew rate, creating all these harmonics and all these like pulses, allows all of your body to resonate out in its own frequency. So you don't have to do any guesswork with frequencies. Uh, and, and you get instantaneous effect. And that's another thing too, because with a resonator, you might understand like if you have a low power resonator and you're laying on a mat for like an hour or something like that, and it's resonating, you might see all these cells slowly in certain areas come into sympathetic resonance, but it might not really affect the entire body in a proper way because they're just doing guesswork with their frequency algorithm. And then it's, it's not like really a true impulse wave. It's like whatever waveform that they're choosing. So um, a couple of the distinctions I wanted to make a machine that was ultra low maintenance. Like I didn't want to have to mess with this thing and calibration because uh, everybody that was doing like a decent job in PEMF that was doing an impulse machine, it was always like, you know, every one year or two years, you have to send in a, or X amount of hours, you have to send this thing in for calibration. So I was like, how can we machine the parts to be more durable and robust? And then I wanted it to have a natural, it's, it's like the blue shield of PEMF. It's, it's, it's changing the amplitude and frequency all of the time, as you felt. You'll get like little bursts. And, and what's nice about that is it acts like the old chaos therapy from Qi Institute. It's like a pattern interrupt. In any kind of subconscious or conscious like thought forms that are, it snaps you out of that a little bit. So there's the anxiety, mental, emotional aspect. There's also the physicality where you're getting depth of field penetration. So you're getting into the bone marrow, you're getting the stem cell production, you're getting the oxygenation of the tissue. 
um, you're getting proper circulation. And to a lot of people, it feels like voltage, but it is a pure, pure magnetic field. And th this machine I'm really excited about because I was finally able to build something that I was like happy with myself for personal use. And uh, as you've experienced, it's, it's just a different, it's hard to explain the difference. Like it's really a, a unique experience in and of itself. Let me ask you something. Do you ever struggle with brain fog or sometimes find it hard to focus on a task? Do you ever have trouble recalling names, dates, or where you left things? Well, let's face it, we all get a little brain foggy or forgetful from time to time. And let me tell you, when I hit my 50s, I definitely needed to step up my nootropics game to stay on point. And ever since I first tried this stuff called Collagenius a few years ago, I became obsessed. I immediately felt calm and focused, my mind was clear, and my ability to memorize and recall information went up significantly. No joke. Collagenius comes in a delicious chocolatey powder that you can simply mix with water, smoothie, coffee, just about anything. When I got on Collagenius, it quickly became a non-negotiable ingredient in my morning cup. One scoop transforms my coffee or smoothie into a delicious mood-boosting mocha elixir. The stuff is wild. Every serving of Collagenius contains the equivalent of 1.2 pounds of mushrooms, including lion's mane, reishi, cordyceps, and chaga. Now, each of those is a powerhouse in its own right, but together they make a potent blend that actually helps repair your brain. It boosts something called BDNF, which supports improved learning and memory. It also contains cacao and collagen, which provide antioxidants, mood support, improved brain function, and more. To get on board with this stuff, here's what you do. Go to newtopia.com slash lukegenius and use the code luke10. And seriously, if you want to upgrade your mental capacity, Collagenius is a no-brainer. See what I did there? And you can try it risk-free with Newtopia's money-back guarantee. So seriously, what are you waiting for? That's newtopia.com slash lukegenius, N-O-O-T-O-P-I-A. And again, don't forget to use that code luke10 to save 10%. Yeah, I would say the sensation is what's immediately evident is that it's much more random in terms of the intensity and also just the feel of it. It's like other PMF devices like clack, 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 clack. They just kind of hammer on you, right? Which is great. Like if you have an injured knee or something, right? You put on those, the, I call them the donuts. I don't know what they're called. You put on your knee and just let it rip and then you walk away and you're like, holy shit, my knee's better. But as far as like a full body application or like how we had one of your rings around my neck. Like, I don't know that I would be able to hang with that, with the, the solid state, more traditional existing PMF technologies. Yeah. And, and you're essentially changing the inherent voltage. So you're putting like circuitry between the point source magnetic field, which in ours is plasma, and it's going through a, a circuit and it's inherently changing the inherent voltage. If you're like, using semiconductor technology to go step up and step down the, the amper or the intensity levels of it, um, you, you're, you don't want to change that. You want that point source magnetic field from start to finish. You want that to affect your biology in a beneficial way and, and not really have any intermediary. I, I think I gave you that analogy earlier. It's like when you're playing a guitar, you, know, you have an acoustic guitar, it has a resonance. You put, plug a jack into it, uh, and then run it through a pedal, you push that pedal down and it has like a reverb or a distortion or it's some kind of an echo effect or something like that. It's changing the inherent natural sound before it goes to the amplifier and is amplified. So we did everything we could to 
give you the most control possible in an analog machine, meaning you can change the pulse rate, how fast it's pulsing, which somebody might confuse with frequency. It's not really the same thing. It's pulse rate. It's how fast, which is a frequency in itself, but it's not frequency generating like an oscillator. And then you can control the intensity or the amplitude independently. So that took engineering a, a modular um, chamber for the, the plasma to arc off and create that lightning and create that effect. That's so cool. Yeah. It, you're the Keith Richards of PEMF innovators, you know, going direct. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, he's famous, I mean, except on Satisfaction and some other songs, but like the Keith Richards sound that you hear is a Telecaster plugged into a right Fender in. amp, yep. boom, you know, and just pushing the the uh, levels a little bit to crunch it up. But, and we all know, like those of us who are like more on the audiophile level, like, you know, those old tube amps sound completely different than stock amplifiers. It's 100%. just, it's totally different. There's no comparison. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I haven't tried like any of the newfangled amps, but professional musician friends of mine that could afford whatever whatever amps they want, they just get like people aren't using so much like Fenders and Ampegs and whatever. They're they're using like new fancy forty thousand dollar amps, but they're still tube, right? They're yeah. just like a better vert. They're basically copying nineteen fifty seven Fender Twin, whatever, yep. and just like making it a little warmer and juicier. But no one's like going, oh, we're switching to all solid state. I mean, at least in the genres of, of music that I follow, you know, I mean, there's certain things that you just can't um, innovate past because it was already done so well. But yeah. in your case, it wasn't done. So you just saw a need for yourself and created something super cool. Yeah. And we, you know, none, everything is custom machined, like the capacitors, the transformer, the, the all the internal components, like to get it to fire off the way we wanted it to fire off and have that randomization effect, you know, all of that is machine and, and having the durability and not having to maintenance it. Like, you know, you can go 10, 15 years without a single, like single family, like three or four people using it pretty regularly. No problem. A practitioner, maybe eight to 10 years, you'd have to get it calibrated if it's not performing well. We've ran these things for hours and hours and hours and saw the wear. We're just like, wow, this is, this is awesome because it really, nobody wants to buy a heavy, analog machine and have to ship it every couple of years to get it calibrated like i didn't brutal my uh, my ozone generator for the pool broke and um i could have sent it in for repair and i just, just threw it away i was like i'll just get a new one it would have cost me i don't not as much but a, a good chunk of change to send it in and wait and find a box and it might break on the way like no one wants to ship delicate and heavy equipment around yeah well, man, that's uh, that's super cool. I'm excited because I'm a huge fan of PEMF, and like I said, I haven't I haven't used one that has been this cool. So I'm excited to uh, see where you go with this. All right, last thing last thing I want to cover is the uh, Therify, and this is something I've had my eye on for a while. And they're you know, admittedly, like some of the stuff uh, that's really cool is also exceedingly expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so I you know haven't pulled the trigger and got one, but I. Just based on intuition and just gut feeling, it's one of those things that's on my vision board of like, yeah, I got to have one of these in my house. And I, and I tried it once at Har Hari's uh, Transformational Healing Universe out in LA. And he's, he, he's the guy that like is my go-to. Actually, he usually comes to me and is like, I found the thing, man. I got the thing. And he's usually right. Like when he finds shit, if he takes the time to tell me about it, it's cool. And he got one. And I used it out there uh, just once. And I was blown away. I think we did like maybe... They're 15-minute sessions usually. 
I run it for 15. Uh, oh, okay. you know, Paul Paul would tell you probably like start with like increments of three, six, and nine. Well, the first time I did it, I think we went for like 45 minutes or something. You know? Maybe that's why I liked it so much. And it just like... It didn't get in. hot. It didn't... No. Yeah. That's cool. No. It just put me in a... And it was like right after a conference. So I was like really kind of agitated and hyped and worn out. And I won't say stressed because I was having fun. But I was like in a very, you know, activated state. And that shit just laid me out. And I went into like a really beautiful theta dream time. And it left a huge impression on me enough to the point where I was like, I got to find the creators of this and interview them. And I just haven't gotten around to it. Lo and behold, you and your wife walk in and you have one of these damn things with you. Yeah, and I got to do weird. another one. It's weird how how things work because I was actually working on a plasma machine that's uh, more more in tune with the human circuit. Um, you know, just for the last probably two or two months, three months, and uh, yeah, just random synchronicity. Like Wyatt, who's uh, Paul's assistant, like reached out. He's like, "Hey, we want to get on a call and like just talk." And uh, long story short, like those guys are super cool. Paul's actually an herbalist. He's like not only this brilliant. Um, electrical engineer guy. He's like literally hand widening these like 500,000 volt Tesla coils and like making this stuff, actually doing the making and you know, make, building the circuit board and everything. Um, but he's also an herbalist and he's got one of the biggest, he's built, I think, I don't want to misquote it, but I think it's something like 15 or 20,000 square foot facility up in Canada where he's, it's going to be the biggest medicinal mushroom growing facility like in Canada. So he's doing a lot of cool stuff. Like I was telling you with the lineage here, like I like to follow things with the lineage, whether it's electromagnetism and looking at like Tesla work, heavy side, all those guys, the lineage of understanding, the lineage of understanding with these herbs, right? Like with the Japanese network that we have. Paul is one of these guys that, you know, he was taking apart his family's TV when he's like six years old, trying to figure out how the electronics work. So I think people, when they start really young, like the people that we work with, like the train since they're you know, four or five years old and herbalism and, and acupuncture and all this kind of stuff, people that, are geared towards something to me, like that's pretty significant when you know that early, like what you're going to be doing, what you're wanting to do it. And then as an adult, you're doing it at a high level mastery level. Um, so he, he's created a lot of stuff, but the Therify is really uh, a culmination of all of the things. Like he's built PEMF devices. He built a lot of these type of devices for years and years and years. And he just thought, you know, maybe the world wasn't like ready for a Therify type device. So he put all of his knowledge with plasma technology, PEMF, Rife stuff, all, all of the stuff and the kitchen sink into a system. And then he basically integrated Dan Winter, who came up with the frequency algorithm uh, that's in Therify, the, the phase conjugation uh, collapse wave field. And it's just, it's an unbelievable machine. And I've had mine since like 2019. He gets a hold of us. And he's like, yeah, we love what you're doing with Blue Shield and all this kind of stuff. And uh, we decided to partner up and we're going to be importing his um, uh, devices to the United States and do some assembly and then distribute here from the United States and get these out there in a bigger way because they're, they're pretty well known worldwide. But I don't think people know the depth of what this thing can do for anti-aging especially, but also consciousness and a whole lot of different levels. And that bridged a gap for me and why I was looking at plasma in the first place is I was like, wanting to blend yin and yang because from my training with TCM and like what we're understanding with the whole lifestyle thing is that I want the magnetic earth energy, that deep visceral punch, but then the plasma works on these kind of etheric realms and basically acts as a um, consciousness amplifier, but also it's imploding these decaying waves at a center point into the body where the body acts as a dielectric medium. So it absorbs all this light energy essentially. And when you got proper charge and proper charge distribution in the cells, there's a lot you can do 
with that, especially if you know Qigong or Tai Chi or any of these kind of like um, these art forms that like utilize consciousness to heal the body, to do whatever you want, really. It's pretty interesting. Well, today was a great day to try both the ARC PEMF and the Therify because um, I was just smoked from flying this week. I woke up today, I was like, oh my God, because we had a podcast yesterday, had you today. I mean, thankfully with you, it's chill and I know we're just going to hang out. Sometimes when I'm just meeting someone, it's, you know, a little bit different because you have to kind of establish rapport and it's it's a little more work for lack of a better term. And then I have another one tomorrow with my dentist, which is easy, but I woke up today and I was like, oh man, another one. I don't know if I can do this. I was just so (laughs) tired, meditated, woke up, still tired or came out of it, still tired. I was like, oh my God. So when you showed up, it was a great way to test the before and after. Because if I already felt great and energized, I might not have noticed. But after doing the PEMF and then doing the Therify, like I've, I don't know how long we've been talking. It's been a while. I'm fully, fully energized and feeling like hella lit. That's awesome. That's a technical yeah. term for feeling good. Yeah. That's a scientifically sophisticated <laughs> term. <laughs> yeah. But that's how you know. Like I, I like to test like supplements and stuff when I'm get off a plane or if I had a shitty night's sleep, then I'll try it. And I'm like, okay, now I'll be able to tell if it works. You know, if my baseline is already deficient, I can tell if it's gonna bring me up to my normal, you know, level or even surpass that. So it's pretty cool. So for people listening, I mean, you know, we'll put a link to the Therify in the show notes. It's kind of hard to describe, but it's basically like two giant light bulbs, one at your head and one at your foot. And in this case, we're on, I'm laying on a massage table. And then there's kind of a motherboard over on the side that controls it or powers it. And then underneath it, there's another big thing that's like under your torso, under the table. So how are those components? You know, it's difficult to visualize. So please, those listening, find a picture. But how are those three components kind of interacting to create this energizing and healing effect? Yep. So what's under the massage table under the body is an air core transformer, which is known as Tesla coil. So that thing's putting out half million volts. And you have these hot wires, these resonant wires that basically are going up to these, um, you call them light bulbs, they're like tubes. And they have uh, three uh, electrodes on each of the tubes. And that's braiding a plasma field and it's vortexing towards each other out of phase and creating a null phase emission, right? So a uh, basically um, what I would call, uh, from a more technical perspective, it's a, uh, a non-oscillating longitudinal electromagnetic pulse perturbation. So that's creating a, a disturbance that decays basically at the center point, right where your lower dantian is. And it's, your, it's just imploding centripetally into the body as your body's acting as the dielectric field, the medium that absorbs all this photonic energy. So that's acting as one circuit and your body's literally closing the circuit the brain unit or the the actual amplifier, all that is doing is it's it's got the code in it, it's got the motherboard and it's powering the system and also um, that's what's embedding into the plasma field. So what you're doing is you're p- pitch modulating the plasma with Dan Winter's frequency algorithm. So wow. all those things are out of phase and Dan's really cool. He's uh, He's got a good understanding um, and, and he just kind of talks at a like, super high level as far as like you know, tech because he, he wants to be technically. Uh, he wants to have a high level of technical specificity, and I can respect that. I'm trying to simplify it so like people can understand like how important this technology is. But you know why I've been using it for years, and and why I think it's kind of it's just taking PMF. It's taking all this this what we know of photobiomodulation to a, a whole different level um, of you know what light or plasma light can do. 
you know? Well, I'm glad you're able to translate it for us uh, common folk because when I found the Therify and looked into his work and went to their website, I was like, I want to interview this guy, but he... I won't be able to keep up. <laughs> so you could tell he's really onto something, but it's so technical and gets so deep into the physics. It's just like, I wouldn't even know how to formulate questions. It's so like over my head. Um, so I appreciate that you're able yeah. to kind of translate it. And with these kind of things too, it's almost like, for me, I don't care to understand it that deeply. I want to get a basic idea. I just want the effect. The benefits, yeah. Yeah, like I was... Like I said, laid down, went into a beautiful little dreamy theta state. I'm sold. <laughs> you know, that's it. It just does it. And even with kids with like uh, anxiety disorders, ADHD type, it just calms them down. It's does it? wild. Yeah. It's, uh, wow. Paul was telling me all kinds of stories about uh, stuff we probably can't say, but just, just amazing like anecdotal testimonial stuff. And um, yeah, I can, I can see some more deep dive research on this machine down the track because... It's just got a lot of potential on a lot of different levels of like wellness, healing, and and so forth. One hundred percent. Well, that's the thing. You know, we were talking a bit about earlier before we recorded. It's always challenging for me and people that I have on the show because if if something's not an FDA approved medical device and it hasn't gone through a certain um, level of of study and research, clinical trials, etc., yeah. you can't make medical claims. Right, which is just fine. I get that because that prevents charlatans from taking people's money or creating products or services that harm them and things like that. Totally. So I, I kind of yeah. get the regulations, right? But it's also super annoying because I know things about the Therify or the biocharger, the amp coil and, and technologies kind of in this realm. And I know people first person or anecdotal third person reports that are valid and trustworthy that people have, quote unquote, incurable conditions that are totally healed and alleviated using these things. And, and then you're muzzled and you can't talk about it. You know, it's just, it's so frustrating to me and I, I kind of get it. So yeah, I look forward to, you know, your PMF, like what you're doing with Blue Shield, right? You're like, okay, we know this works. We have all these customers around the world that know it works, but we want to be able to make the claims. And so you need to show the data. So I'm looking forward to, you know, with your PMF or the Therify, when you can say, okay, cool. Yeah. Go on PubMed. There's the study. A kid had autism and used this thing for six months and now is clinically not showing signs of being on the spectrum and so on, just to pull one thing out of the, out of thin air, you know, as one condition, but yeah, I know the body has the blueprint to heal anything and everything. And that's what annoys me when people invent things that assist the body in doing so and you can't talk about and it. And the body does it though. Yeah, it's yeah. just like you said with your herbs, you know, it's like the herbs aren't doing anything. They're signaling your body's own healing capacity, just like in psychedelics. I remember one shaman told me, oh my God, I was this so floored by the experience. I said, wow, you know, that medicine did this to me and that to me. He said, no, you are the medicine. They're the medicine that you just drank last night or whatever is a signal to your consciousness to do the work, right? Yeah. And unleashes or yeah. yeah, directs or yeah. Yeah. So I think I, I I like that perspective. You know, there's a sense of auto- autonomy and um and and sovereignty in that that's like, wow, everything is within. Yet it can be really useful to have tools that help give your body the support it needs to do what it wants to do, which is to be in homeostasis and be completely vital and healed. So here's one thing I can say because it's it's something that happened back in uh, France. So uh, basically, 
where they came from with this particular machine, with the Therify, is uh, based largely on anti Anton Priory's work. So Priory was over in France, uh, early 1900s, uh, same time frame where... Um, you're familiar with Royal Rife, I'm yeah, assuming, yeah. yeah. So he was like doing really cool stuff. He was building like twelve-cylinder uh, boats and building his own microscopes and all this kind of stuff. And he had some pretty sophisticated microscopes for his day. And what he would do is play with radio frequency, look at a petri dish. You know, you know the story. It's uh, shattering cells and yeah, you know, yeah. trying to figure out what resonant frequencies would do what to what pathogens or organisms, or whatever. So he was shut down, and you know, just they, they tried everything they could do to shut him up in this country. But over in France, they were looking at Anton Priory's machine, which he had this huge, massive room and it was a plasma machine. And he was like healing certain things left and right. And, um, you know, the government actually backed him. So they would actually put money into what he was doing. And the, all the PDFs are out there. You can go look it up. Um, none of it's hidden. It's just, it was really well documented. And Priory didn't know the wave mechanics and the energy mechanics, I'll say, uh, of what he was doing. Dan Winter comes along several decades later and looks at what he was doing. And he's like, wow, he was almost on point. He just figured out that he needed to finely tune it to phi ratio integers. This frequency cascade that he created was basically almost lining up with, uh, with Prairie's frequencies that he was putting through this plasma machine that was getting all these benefits like tumors and cysts and just on and on and on. So he basically fine-tuned it and then did a proof-of-concept device with Paul. So he had Paul build the machine and Paul did all the, the work and integrated his algorithm, his, his frequency um, cascade into it. And that's what we have is, it's like a modern day prairie machine. So for consciousness, it works. But wow. the physicality, they were getting some, if, if you want to know what Therify can do, look at Anton Prairie. We're not saying it does any of that stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah. Look at but, Anton Prairie. But Anton Prairie could say because it happened and it was documented in yeah, France. With a less, I wouldn't say inferior machine, but a uh, less finely tuned machine. Wow. Instrument, so... Amazing. I love, that's a good workaround. I, I like that. It's like, well, we can't say, but they had the same thing and it did X, Y, and Z. That's, Only that's this cool. is perfected version yeah. of it, basically. I got to get one of these things, dude. Just when I think you. like, just, you know, just when the house is full of all these different tools, I think, oh, I'm good. I don't need anything. But then something even cooler comes along and I become obsessed with that. So yeah, that's the, that's the issue that we have is like, uh, people that like our toys. It's like, there's fun stuff that people are, there's so many creative people out there. And I, I just try and simplify for my own life and my own sake. And, you know, my wife, like with all the stuff, I'm trying to like, you know, what what is going to give me the most bang for the buck? And that's how I approach everything with any machine I'm building, anything I get involved with. And with the herbs, like how can I make this a multi-tool? Like one formula is balanced according to five element theory. It does a lot of different things. And that's what's been hard to categorize on the website. It's like, oh, well, it's, focuses on immune system, but it also focuses on brain function and hormones. Like it does a lot of different things with one single formula, um, you know, and, and less is more. If you have a, something that's high integrity and produced very well, you can take 15 drops of that and have an effect. Like you took very, I think you took like eight drops of that brain boost, but like most brands are telling you to take two whole droppers full of extract. And it's just kind of a waste. If you can make it correctly and efficiently in the, in, in the beginning, then you're going to have a lot more efficacy, a lot more utilization, a lot more gunk, not in your liver breaking down, trying to like, you know, your body has to filter all this stuff too. So um, I, I'm about like efficiency. So I try and focus on the technologies that are, you know, you, you felt it. it's very quiet. It's very powerful, but very peaceful. It has, it has its own 
nature, if, if you can call a machine having a nature, it, it's very much something that you can go very deep on and it's not very jarring. Like there's a lot of energy in plasma. I built one. I built a plasma machine that was just like a jackhammer, like a multi-wave oscillator. You just feel kind of like all over the place. But this has such a high degree of coherence and a high degree of, you just go into a very peaceful state with it. And that's what I appreciate about it. I do too. I love it, man. Well, thank you so much for driving 12, what, 12 hours you can't <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, I, I really enjoy spending time with you. And, uh, you know, you're just really interesting, high integrity, cool guy doing good things in the world. So I'm honored that y'all came to visit me and brought all these amazing toys and tools to play around with, too. It's like the best day ever. Let's go make some miso. Yeah, let's go make some miso. Love it. <laughs>